Hey everyone, welcome to Game Face episode 250. Milestone episode for Game Face today. Quarter of a thousand episodes. Matt, what I've realized is here in the, just the last like couple of months, we've actually surpassed the total number of, number of episodes that I ever did of Invisible Walls on game trailers, which is pretty crazy to think about. Yeah. It's, it's awesome, honestly. Like uh, We have a topic about E3 today on the show, and I started going back and pulling B-roll mm-hmm. from E3, and I watched like the B-roll from E3 2015, and it totally took me back to like when the site first launched and like my perspective back then and what I thought was going to happen, and then I started thinking about what has <laughs> happened and where I am. It's pretty crazy. Uh, it's been quite a run, uh, and thank you, Matt, by the way, for uh, being a part of Game Face for all these years. You've been an amazing co-host, and uh, I appreciate you very much. Um, this it's, is it's fun. It is fun. And- it, it doesn't feel like six years, but... Uh, it's crazy, man. How t- yeah. it's, it's like I've been saying for the last like year, is as you get older, time just accelerates. Like Time just goes mm-hmm. by. The, the older I get, the faster time goes by. So if you're 18 and you're bored out of your mind, just hold on for a couple more years. <laughs> Once you get into your career, time just whips on by. I'm just yeah. telling um, you. Unless a pandemic hits and then that year takes a while. So. <laughs> That's true. Uh, anyway, you've tuned into the flagship show of Sifted Games at Sifted.net. This is Game Face. Um, we're here every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash siftedgames, giving it to you live. And then the show is archived for our patrons and our subscribers. If you'd like to support the show, please head to patreon.com slash sifted and kick us a pledge. Um, and if you're on YouTube watching the show and you can't afford to be a part of our Patreon Please help us out with Twitch Prime. There are instructions uh, in the description of the show below. Um, You can give us a free $2.50 every month uh, for nothing, as long as you're an Amazon Prime member. It costs you $0. You'd have to set it up the first time, but after that, you just go back to our Twitch page and just click one button every month. So I want to thank everybody who takes the time to do that. We had a couple down months there because, you know, I was ill and we didn't do a bunch of shows, but we just finally got the payment for the last month and everything went back up. I really appreciate it. It makes a huge difference for us. In fact, I want to thank a couple people off the top who already subscribed. Wampler13, Bunko, Mr. 60. Thanks, you guys. Uh, We've also switched up Pactor Factor over the last round of episodes to start showing people who uh, help us out with Twitch Prime. Uh, So if you don't watch Pactor Factor, your name may be scrolling at the bottom of the screen through those episodes. Check those out. Uh, We do have a pretty good show for episode 250. We came back with a vengeance last week. We had a whole show, show full of games. Uh, and this week's not really all that much different. we got a bunch of games we're going to talk about today, a couple pretty big ones as well. Things are finally starting to heat up, Matt. Did you have a chance to check out Dossier for April by any chance? No. Um, well, I've seen like a release schedule. Like, yeah, I, 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 rec- I was kind of looking. It's like, oh, I recognize some of these words. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we change. also. Although, I mean, it's not like it's not like we haven't lost a lot of uh, release dates lately. We're going to talk about that a little later in the show too. It's starting to look a little dire, honestly, with a lot of the delays that are going on. We're going to look at some of those. Uh, in a yeah, talk one in particular on. continues to confuse me. Yes, so. I think I know which game you're talking about. In mm-hmm. fact, I think everybody is like, "WTF? What is going on with that game?" Um, also, if you guys weren't aware, we did revamp Dossier for this month. It used to be a rundown of literally every game coming out in a given month for every platform. And there would be, in some episodes, like 50 or 60 games that we would profile. 
Um, and we give you like a hype rating from our editorial team and then a hype rating from you guys based on traffic on the site and, and what you guys were watching and reading. Uh, but we decided to make it a little more curated like Sifted, honestly. It makes a little bit more sense when you look at it from the context of what Sifted does. Um, and we're just now kind of picking games that we think you should think about buying in a given month because honestly, a lot of dossier in the past was just tons of indie stuff that a lot of you guys just didn't care about. Um, so we're adding context to the show as well. We have like some voiceover explaining each game, why you should be excited for it. Uh, check that out if you haven't already, and uh, feel free to give us some feedback on the changes to the show. Uh, and with that, I think it's time to get on with Game Phase 250. Um, we're going to kick things off with undoubtedly the biggest game of the week, and... I hesitate to say big because it hasn't managed to explode in the way that it probably should have. And that game is Outriders. It is a cooperative third-person cover-based sci-fi shooter from People Can Fly. They're the team behind Bulletstorm. They also did Gears of War Judgment. And you can see a little bit of influences of both of those games in this game. Right, Matt? Yeah. Um, definitely the the cover and sort of flow of how the combat works is very Gears of War inspired and um, the way the movement feels like you're ice skating on Greece is very similar to uh, <laughs> Bulletstorm. So. Yeah, and it is... So here's what's happened. Um, first of all, Square Enix did not send out early review code for this because and I quote, it's a network-based game. That's why they told me I didn't get code. I actually got code last Thursday. Did the mm. game come out Thursday or Friday? I never quite figured that out. I think it was Thursday, actually, which is a weird release date for a game. Yeah, because famously nothing with online features ever gets sent out early. Yeah, and, well, they didn't either. Um, but they did send me review code, and I dove in right away. And right away, I noticed that there was a huge problem with the game, and that is that the game could not connect. Um, the servers for the game, especially for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, were a complete disaster. You could not mm -hmm. connect to the... I could not connect to the game. You'd sit at the screen, and it would just... The little circle would just rotate for, like, five minutes. It would crap out. You'd do it again. If you kept doing it for, like, I don't know, 10 minutes at first, it would eventually connect. Um, but then there were problems where I would be playing a campaign mission, and just in the middle of the mission, it would just lose connection, and I'd have to start all over. I would lose... Sometimes I would lose all my progress... Sometimes it would remember a checkpoint, and when I would finally get back into the game, I would be back at that checkpoint. It seemed like there was no rhyme or reason to that stuff. It has pretty much been a disaster since launch. I'll say this. Yesterday, still took a while to connect, but once I connected, I was able to stay on and play. Um, but, like, getting teams online, like, for instance, there's a whole interface where you can just try to set up a game with randoms to play cooperatively. I have never got that to work. I think one time it worked and they booted me as soon as I joined the server, and I've never got it to work since. The only way I've managed to play with other people online is if I was lucky enough to find someone on my friends list who was playing. And thank God yesterday, I found like three people who were playing the game consistently like all day. And so I managed to make a lot of headway through the game, and I'll get to why in a moment. Um, the one thing that's different about this game, Matt, at least I think it's different from a lot of other games as a service, is that it's, one, it's hard for me to really call this a game as a service because it's really kind of a narrative-driven, single-player-ish game, really. There's like a definitive mm -hmm. campaign with a story. There's an end to the campaign. There is post-game post content. I've not got to it yet. 
um, but I do know what it's supposed to be. Um, and it's more yeah, like it's a meaty. Whole, it's like a forty-hour campaign. Yeah, it's apparently. a big game. Um, and I think the the post-game stuff is like a horde mode that you can play with other people yeah. online. But I haven't yeah, played. It's just, it. it's just your standard kind of grinding for uh, better loot, so you can do higher difficulty world tier versions of things, basically. Yeah, and Matt, um, pretty way standard. I, yeah, pretty standard. And Matt, the way I would describe this game, it's kind of like Destiny Cross with Mad Max that plays more like Gears of War. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, it's about right. Um, so far, I mean, yeah. Uh, and it's funny because it actually starts out feeling a little more like Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah. Um, and then you go in the cryo sleep and come out 31 years later and everything's gone to hell. Because um, at first you think it's going to be like, oh, we're going to be like, you know, almost like a Xenoblade Chronicles X or, a, or an Avatar, James Cameron's Avatar thing. Where it's like, oh, we're going to be like colonizing the world and like trying to like, uh, you know, carve out like you know, probably like fighting weird beasts and gets like, like almost like a monster hunter thing with with gears of war guns. It's like, no, it, it's all just gonna go to hell, and you're gonna you're gonna fight bandits and enemy soldiers and stuff. Which it, it was confused because for a second there, like at the beginning, they they do that, that kind of holographic shooting range thing to teach right. you how to play the game, play shoot stuff. And I was like, it's weird that a game where I feel like I'm mostly gonna be fighting monsters is is teaching me this with 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 guys like holographic people. Yeah, and then I was like. Oh, those holographic people are have really detailed death animate. Oh, this is not going to be what I think it's going to be, is it? It's like it was like this weird process over the course of the tutorial. I was like, oh, you're teaching me to do something different. I get it. Yeah, we should probably um, actually give a quick plot synopsis. We talked, we've talked about this game before during the demo slash beta that they had. But for those of you who maybe missed that episode, as Matt said, you are people who left Earth because Earth is no longer inhabitable, um, and you're going to this new planet called the planet Enoch. And you get there, everything seems cool at first, and then there's this crazy anomaly that happens, and you're basically attacked by this, I don't even know how to describe what it is, this force, so to speak. Um, and then everything goes to crap, and you end up going into cryosleep, and you wake up 31 years later, and everything, in fact, has gone to crap. Uh, nothing worked out the way that it was supposed to. Um, you're a part of this kind of elite group of soldiers, and you're the last one left. All the others have died. Or there's actually, there's actually one other one that you end up meeting mm-hmm. in the game. Uh, but all the others who, who have died. Who isn't even one anymore? Like, he's just, he's just like a gun runner now. Yeah, he's basically doesn't even want to go out and fight anymore. And, uh, and so you're left to pick up the pieces and try to help humanity survive on this brand new planet. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the crux of the plot. Yeah, you're, and you have also become uh, what they call an altered Yep. which is people who get changed into superheroes basically by the uh, given superpowers by the uh, anomaly um and that's the reason you have to pick your class yep and uh which determines which superpowers you get and there are other altereds in the game who are various characters of enemies and Bosses. maybe friends and it's like yeah yeah um you're basically x-men yeah uh, so it's uh it's the reason you're so important basically is that you uh uh got turned into a into a monster kind of you were um, also like the one of the better soldiers that went on the expedition yeah. as well to begin with and now you have these superpowers and so they look to you as the person who's going to save them all from ruin essentially and that's sort of your task is to save humanity on this strange alien planet yeah i mean you're kind of master chief yeah so sort of like you're the super soldier yep um and there are four different classes you can play as as matt alluded to there's the technomancer who is the ranged guy there's the pyromancer, who's kind of the medium-range guy. Uh, there's the trickster, who is a melee damage expert. And there's the devastator, who is the tank. And I would just say this, Matt. 
the class that you choose, unlike a lot of <clears> games, <throat> I feel like the class that you choose in this game really matters. I chose the mid-range guy, and I'll just say this. Playing this game by myself has been really difficult. Until yeah, well, you, you pick the squishiest class. Until um, I got a sniper rifle. And then once I could mm-hmm. finally, and it took a while before I got one. And once I did get one, the game became a lot easier. But mm-hmm. playing as that class in the first few hours can be really challenging. Like I was having to like try stuff over and over again. Um, it took me, I don't know how many tries to defeat the first boss because I didn't have a sniper rifle yet. Um, and one thing I will say too is there is a difficulty setting called the world level. Um, So the world levels up as you level up. And obviously the difficulty increases with the new world levels. But if you want, you can always go back and you can turn down the world level. And it's not not like a scarlet letter like it is in a lot of other games. It does make the game easier. Um, But you lose like a percentage of drops or the percentage of good drops goes down. So if you play it Mm -hmm. on medium or better, that percentage is like 100% or higher. If you drop it down, anything below medium, then the, that percentage, I think on the next one down, it drops down to like 90% of the drops that you would have got in the one before. Um, so that's a pretty interesting way to kind of balance the game if people are having trouble with it. I didn't actually try it to see how much easier it becomes when you do that, but I do think it's cool that the option is there. I don't know if you get achievements either if you drop it down. Have you heard, Matt? You do. It's that you're still racking up the uh that the achievements and stuff. Yeah. It's just it's mostly just loot. Okay. So, um it's just it's a loot situation. So it's a pretty interesting way to handle difficulty, I think. Um and again it is very hard, but I'll say this too, when I finally did get a sniper rifle and I did finally manage to team up with somebody, the game became much easier. Um we pretty much steamrolled the game. Uh, I was playing with just one other guy, and that's the B-roll that you're seeing right now. And then later on, I was playing with two other people. Um, and even with just one other guy, the difficulty it seemed like it was cut in half for me. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't seem like the game scales very well to, if they want it to be that difficult anyway, it doesn't seem like it scales that well to multiple people playing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not having a I picked a Technomancer. Um, I am not having much of a problem. But so you've had a sniper problem. rifle from the get-go. Uh, yeah, I start with a assault rifle and a sniper rifle, and uh, I can throw a turret out pretty early on. I get you get a, a turret skill um, that is very distracting, and you get like a little sticky bomb that pops up and explodes and hurts guys that come near it. And uh, of course, get, doing damage through all those things heals me. So uh, that's how the health system works in the game. Yeah. Actually, you do yeah, damage. There's no regenerating health. health. There's no health pickups. You have to. You get your health back by doing class-related stuff to enemies. Yeah, and you can, it's not just killing them either. Because once I got a sniper yeah. rifle, like I was sitting back and picking guys off, my health was not increasing. And no, it has to be class-related skills doing damage. Yeah, so you have to use your superpowers essentially to earn health back from kills. Mm-hmm. But that's how the health system works. And when I first started playing again, before I had my sniper rifle, it was tough. Um, yeah. And I mean, I will say, you know, I think I said when we uh, talked about it before with the demo, uh, like there was nothing about this game that was appealing to me. Like it was just one of those, okay, it's another shooter. I don't care. It looks incredibly generic. But I play, I only played it yesterday because it was on Game Pass. I was like, oh, I should play that before we do the show. So I played it yesterday. Um, did not have any trouble connecting uh, or staying connected. Like a matter of fact, I walked away from it for like, like 40 minutes at one point and it was still right where I left it. Um, so they seem to have ironed iron, either they've ironed that out or less people were playing on Monday, maybe both. Um, the weekend was over. Um, and, uh, I really like this game. Like yeah, I really enjoy it, it when I can play it. 
<laughs> That's yeah. been the problem. Um, but the way the the way the class skills interact with the general gunplay, like, is a really good balance. They they regenerate right about the right amount of speed. They're fast. Um, so the you regen is yeah, fast. So you don't you feel can use like, them constantly. You don't feel like you're waiting for them to regenerate. Really, they're, they're not special occasion skills. They're right. just part of your, you know, minute by minute repertoire, which is nice. Um, yeah, it all works. Like it all works. Like I'm, I'm really enjoying it in a way that I did not expect to. Uh, it, to the point that like, um, like I wouldn't have been unhappy if I paid for this. Frankly, now you were a big Destiny fan. I don't know if you still are, but you've spent a lot of time. I've playing. kind of given up on Destiny, but I did like it for the time I played it. What parts of this game sort of resonate with you because it's similar to Destiny, or are there any? Uh, I would say very little. Okay. Um, like. The Destiny model is something I'm actually pretty tired of because of how much I played Destiny. And as a matter of fact, one of the things that I do find a little tedious is the the separate. You know, I find this in all games though. Is these days is like that separation between like being in home base and going out to do a mission. Yep. Um, this one hand this game handles that transition pretty well for the most part. But like basically, I find you know the worst defender that I can think of in recent times is probably Anthem. Where as soon as I would get back to the the home city, I wouldn't want to go back and restart the mission, restart a new mission, and wait for the load screen to go through. Like I was basically like, ah, I think I'm done. Well, if you have um, a PS5, that's what I'm playing on. The loading in this is like zap. Like, yeah, there's almost no loading in this. Really fast. Like there's no downtime really in this at all. Yeah, I'm playing on Series X, obviously, because uh, Game Pass. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's on the internal hard drive, and load times are pretty much not noticeable. Yeah, they're really, really quick. And I, I hear you about that. It does. It is one of those deals where you finish a mission in these types of games, you go back to the base, and that's kind of like your moment of reflection, where you decide, mm-hmm. am I going to play another mission or not? And you're right. If it's clunky or the hub world is awkward to get around it will convince you to not keep playing. And this game is not like that. I would say the hub world you go back to is designed a little goofy. Like, I don't understand why there's that weird staircase you got to keep running up and down. Like, you got to get to the command yeah, center place. Like, yeah. That seems stupid to me. But otherwise, like, everything's pretty centrally located. Um, and there's plenty of, like, kiosks to get into online games if you want to. If you do mm-hmm. decide to do a mission on your own, it's there's a big, like, bay door there that you just walk out and off you go. Um, the one thing I would say the fast about travel sequence thing is pretty pretty well done. Yeah, um, they're, I mean they're generous about it for the most part about getting around how you need to get around. Um, I think they did it pretty well. Like generally, like all mechanically, I'm fine with everything. Uh, it's like everything mechanically seems pretty much good to great, unless you're counting connection issues. Um, my issues are all in presentation. Um, Do I think, you like I think how the l- clamoring works, Matt? Because the to clamor over a wall, it's the same button as the roll button. And I have not figured out how you can run um, up to a wall and vault over it. Have hold, you? Hold the button. Hold it? Is that what you're supposed yeah. to do? Because you, you, to- you toggle the run, and if you hit and hold the B button, as you, or I guess probably circle on PlayStation, as you approach the wall... Uh, she will. She will sort of automatically vault over it. I end up rolling into it. the wall, and then I end up. Yeah, be- I can see that. Well, the, the like the rem- changing that, you know, because also I get I get that wrong in combat a lot because I it feels so much like gears that I expect a yep. to be the roll. Yep. Um, and like. I don't know if that's a that's an that's kind of a uh, a bad choice in control design or if it's just me not being able to get over my gears of war reflexes. Um, 
I don't know. Some of the awkwardness of the, of the movement stuff, I'm not sure if that's me or the game. Um, I do think she moves too quick. Like it feels like I'm ice skating a lot. Like it feels movement like the, the characters for sure. Yeah. I mean, fast is good, but yeah. it's like, like uh, early on, I spent some time like pointing the camera at the uh, like top down to see if my feet still skate when I walk forward. Cause it felt like it was cheating right. the character forward too fast for how fast the walk cycle is. But as far as I can tell or not, it seems like they're playing pretty honest with it. It just feels slippery to me that uh, everything kind of felt a little slippery at first and I had to get used to it which is fine my main issue is like um there's a lot of weird like audio problems where like when it changes scenes audio drops to silence and then pops back up even if it's in the same location so like all the ambiance sound goes to to black and then comes back which is a weird i feel like you shouldn't need to do that in today's game engines uh and like the cut scenes are awful like the 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 acting's bad, the writing's yeah. embarrassing. Um, I don't know who over there is in love with the shaky handheld cam. Yeah. Uh, but stop. Well, the other it thing doesn't about add it anything. The story kind um, of goes away as well. It's like there's a big yeah. Setup. It's gotten less and less after you get kind of kicked out into the world and the and the situations established. Nobody really talks to me anymore. Well, the other um, problem, too, is... At least that, like, I don't have to go upstairs as much anymore. Yeah, like, I realize you haven't played much online, but the other problem, too, is that, like, you can join people who are ahead of you in the story. Mm-hmm. And so there was one time I joined somebody, in a suit, and that's always awkward. Like, sometimes you'll join a game, and the mission's, like, already over, and you just run up to a spot and then wait to teleport out. And then sometimes you'll jump into a game, and it'll be, like, right in the middle of a cutscene. And one time I jumped in... And literally, like, a major character was, like, shot in the throat as soon as I joined the game. And I was like, whoa, like, hmm. what happened? Oh, my gosh, that character's, like, dying now. But the nature of the game, being able to jump in with people anywhere, it kind of renders the story weak or, in some cases, really moot. Or you end up, like, seeing patches of it in, like, different sequences. It can ruin it. And they do warn you before and you join with somebody else, hey, this you may be subject to a spoiler here if you're not, like, paying attention and sure enough, I did. But it makes the thing feel very, the story feel very disjointed. They haven't, I don't think they found a way to, maybe it's just the matchmaking isn't matching me with people who are like playing the same missions as I am. And it's just, I just think that matchmaking in general is a problem. Um, being and unable to matchmaking. Matchmaking seems pretty broken. Um, I'll be honest, I don't, don't care. Yeah. Um, I will never play this game with random people. Because um, it seems, friends seem to work. Uh, yep, that no, works fine. Yep, every time it's um, for me. I, I poked around the matchmaking you know, menu at one point, and it said there were 17 people online, which I find hard to believe. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, so still, clearly still a few bugs in the system. Um, but, you know, as long as it's solo, soloable, which it is, yep. and I can join friends if I want, like I'm pretty much fine with it. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any kind of like competitive multiplayer that I've run into yet. I, no, I don't think there is. Um, and then there are RPG elements in this game as well. There's a skill tree mm. that's pretty humongous that you can start assigning skills to. Um, there's crafting in the game. You can break down your weapons for stuff. You find resources out in the world that you have to kind of mine. You drill into, like, these iron-like deposits into the world. And then you can you eventually you get a vehicle, and you can actually, like, add parts onto your vehicle. You can add abilities and buffs onto your gear, the rabbit hole isn't quite as deep as like a destiny, but I would say it's just deep enough, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like it's, it's it's deep, but it's not like you know. Destiny. One of the reasons games like Destiny have rabbit holes that deep is because they want to they want to catch you in the quicksand. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to get you stuck 
coming back all the time and spending microtransaction money and you know, you know, basically they want it so you can't like free yourself from the trap. Yeah. Um, Outriders doesn't need to do that because it doesn't have microtransactions. It doesn't need to keep you, you know, it, it has your money. It, it just needs to entertain you to make you feel like you spent it well. Uh, I know they said like they don't really want to do game as a service transactions, but they do want to do big expansion packs yep. um, moving forward, which makes sense. Like you can see the seeds of what you would do for a, like a far future, like long range story idea for the and when you read like the lore and like how uh you know 15 years into our expedition you know we stopped getting messages from earth mm-hmm. um so we assume that earth is dead now right that seems like an expansion pack waiting to happen like you know like we get another signal from earth they or suddenly another, a, ship and another ship from earth shows up and like is not even friendly anymore uh you know there's there's a lot you, you know you can tell there's a lot of stuff that could happen. You know, who knows what's under under the ground in this on this planet? Who knows what you know? You do an under the ocean thing at some point. Like, there's a lot of different directions to take it. I really uh, the one thing I, I was a little sad about is um, early on before you go to sleep and everything goes to hell. Um, they talk about how the plan is like you arrive in this giant colony ship and everybody yeah, the early you're part of the early advanced scouting group that's supposed to like kind of find the beacons and establish that it's a safe landing point. And then you bring you know, the colony ship stuff down and um, start to establish, a you know, a base of operations. Uh, and they talk about how, like, the, the, the ship itself was never meant to land because it's too big. Right. And um, so it's just going to basically stay in orbit until they can achieve space flight again. Right. And I thought that was a really cool idea that, like, you would ha- just have this reminder of where you came from up there for like a couple generations yeah like as a sort of like hey come back you know you know that's like your ultimate the ultimate goal of humanity on this planet is kind of rebuild itself up to the point that they can get back up there and you know recall maybe recolonize that ship and go somewhere else um that's a really cool kind of idea and uh clearly not a situation that's happening because everything got botched but you know theoretically that ship's still up there yeah. Um, well, they came with two, and one of them is destroyed, right? The, there's supposed to be. There were supposed to be two. There's the big one that you come from, but there was supposed to be a smaller scout ship that had like eight thousand people on it that was supposed to come first and sort of basically do what you do at the beginning of the game, like kind of like clear the way, you know, survey the place, figure out what the hazards and what the benefits are, and sort of be there to advise the big colony ship when it arrives. Um, and that ship blew up leaving leaving earth orbit um but did it right <laughs> or did it get anomaly <laughs> right. and it's going to show up in an expansion later and like yeah that's gonna be oh you know, there's there's you can see a lot of like fertile ground to like take this forward uh and sort of exp- you know you can see a lot of fertile ground for like okay we've solved the problem the crisis is over maybe we got it uh, oh and like you can see all these different opportunities to like just introduce a new monkey wrench into the status quo so i th- I, I feel like you know, just speaking as someone who obsesses over narrative and story structure, I, I I wasn't too impressed by their their dialogue writing, but it feels like their overarching like story design, like they've got a real handle on making this a long a long project, like a like something that can last several years and continually introduce new narrative ideas to give you a good excuse to go get new powers and shoot new things. Uh, I see Toast nine one six X is asking if the enemies are bullet sponges. Yeah, uh, a little, little bit. bit. I mean, there's a little Borderlands to it because you know you see numbers pop up to show how much damage you're doing. But I I haven't found that they are outside of the bosses. Yeah, I haven't found that they are like ridiculous. 
they, they take ridiculous amounts of damage. And if you're using your skills properly, um, you can do some burst damage to these guys pretty fast. Like it gets a little like if, if I hit you with my turret and then I'm my own gun and hit you with the grenade thing and then maybe do the pain uh, rocket you know missile launcher like mortar thing I have, you, nothing's lasting very long in front of that. The problem I have is it comes when there's too many enemies to target all at once. Um, yeah, I, can, I can get swarmed, but bullet sponges have not been a problem. It's multiple targets that have been a problem for me. Well, a big part of the strategy in the game is interrupting. Um, mm -hmm. Like some of your special attacks, your superhero attacks, so to speak, they will interrupt the enemy's attacks. And like particularly with boss fights in the game, mm -hmm. you need to be strategic on when you use those. So when they go to use like one of their big time attacks, it, and literally some of them can take like half of your health with one attack, that's when a lot of times you want to use your special abilities to interrupt. Mm -hmm. Um, and then enemies can do that to you as well. Some of the enemies eventually start getting the same powers that you have from the anomaly. Um, and there have been times where I would be fighting an enemy and I would think they're dead. Like their health bar, I mean, it's, it's manic. And the other thing I would say about this game is like a lot of third-person shooters, when enemies get in close, it gets crazy and it gets hectic and it's hard to keep track of where the enemies are and that kind of thing. And when that happens, it's also hard to follow their health bar to see how, how close they are to dying. There's lots of times in this game where I think the enemy is dead. And I'm like, okay, I'll just fire off one more, like, column of fire, and they're done, and it doesn't kill them. And I've, like, relaxed, and then they kill me. <laughs> yeah, you, never, you never relax until you see the red skull. Yeah, and that is true. Like, there is a, an indicator uh, that shows you when the enemy is dead. There's a little red skull that pops up to let you know when they have died. But sometimes I just let my guard down for that moment, thinking, oh, my gosh, they're definitely done. Nope, they're not done. I mean, there's some, there are some enemies where you kill them, and they blow up. Um, that's pretty prevalent in this game as well. Mm -hmm. they, or they'll leave a grenade behind after they die. And if you try yeah, to a lot run, of dropping grenades in this game. Yeah, there I've is. That. It, there is a lot. Um, so that's kind of some of the nuances of combat. But overall, I would just say mm -hmm. it's really fun. Um, playing yeah, this game, I, will, I will say, like, the Gears of War comparison is obvious, but, like, I do find that this game makes me move more. Yes. From cover than Gears does. Like it, it has a lot. The like enemies in this game have a lot more ways around your taking cover. Yep. And another thing I would say too about cover that's a little bit weird, other than the kind of the vaulting thing I mentioned earlier, it seems like it'll switch shoulders without me wanting the wanting to switch shoulders. Like it'll go from shooting right-handed to shooting left-handed when I'm like sort of strafing along cover, even if I haven't reached mm -hmm. like the end of the cover point. It seems like. They think the game thinks it knows the enemy that you're trying to shoot. And so it will just automatically kind of switch shoulders on its own to make they think they're making it easier for you to shoot the enemy that you're trying to shoot, but it, sometimes it's not. Um, just another sort of small thing that I've come across while playing. I haven't noticed that, but I'll keep an eye on it. But um, you know, I think it finds a happy medium between a straight up action third person shooter like a Gears type game and games like Destiny. Um, if, if stuff gets, if like the loot stuff gets a little too heavy for you in games like Destiny at times, you're like, man, I'm sick of having to pick all this crap up. That, and there is a lot of loot still. You still do get like, here's a new pair of boots that's rated too higher than the one that I had before. But it's not as bad. Like, I've played the game a good bit before finally, like, my gun inventory was full, for example. And there's also plenty of like crates everywhere to store stuff. You're not constantly like juggling your inventory, being like, oh, I don't want to get rid of this, but. I got this new gun, and I don't want to throw this one down. Like, I haven't really experienced, like, any of that in this game. Um, it's also very satisfying, the enemies, the way they explode. Like, we talk about that all the time with shooters, is how satisfying is it to, like, deliver headshots. Like, you're seeing some B-roll right now where, like, the enemies are just exploding. That happens a lot 
It just feels good and fun to play. And I would say playing it cooperatively, it like takes it up a couple extra notches. I've had a lot of fun with it other than the connection issues and not being able to play it as much as I wanted to. Like I hoped that I would be able to finish this before I had to talk about it today. I had four days, but literally the first two and a half, three days were wasted by not being able to connect to the game and having to play by myself and now in hindsight picking the wrong class to play solo, which I didn't realize at the time. Um, yeah, most of uh, the discussion I've seen about it on like on Twitter and stuff has been I can't play it because mm-hmm. it doesn't work. Also, it's done better than Marvel's Avengers. I heard it was like quadruple <laughs> what Avengers did. I can't believe that, Matt. I mean, look, people didn't know Avengers wasn't very good until they played it. Like, I, how is yeah, it? Yeah, but it had the rep. It had the rep, you know. Um, and it had a demo. It's not like people hadn't had some experience with it, and people just bounced off. You know, not not everyone liked that as much as we did. Yeah, um, it's just kind of going going around this week, and I know you know, like Godzilla versus Kong got double the views of uh, the Snyder Cut. So, yeah, um, I don't know in my opinion which of those see, two is worse. You could go to see Godzilla versus Kong in theaters if you wanted. So there you go. Like, it's the the least likely can be the most dangerous. Yeah, I, I don't. If I had to say which movie is better between Godzilla versus Kong or Justice League. Oh, I would watch Godzilla vs. Kong twice again <laughs> yeah. to, before I had to sit through that piece of shit. I, think, I, mean, I don't know. I thought Godzilla vs. Kong, Kong, Kong was pretty is, terrible, is, too. <laughs> nah, Godzilla vs. Kong is the best of the MonsterVerse ones, which is still bad, um, but they it's way better than King of the... just the plot out and just had 90 well, minutes yeah, of fighting. Because like, the fights well, were but, awesome. But, but that's my point, is the fighting is better. The I'd fighting has that. creativity yeah. and like there's a there's beats to it and it, they tell a story in the fights. Some of it takes place during the daytime. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like the whole sequence with Millie Bobby Brown, like that those three characters have nothing to do with the entire movie. <laughs> like movie. there is no reason for that subplot to be in the film. I felt like all. I was losing like IQ Michael, points like watching Godzilla vs. Kong. I'm like, this movie's making me stupid. <laughs> like it felt like Michael Bay's Transformers, where that whole hacker subplot has nothing to do with yeah. anything, and then those characters disappear two-thirds of the way through the movie. Yeah. It was like that. I'm like, okay, what are you doing? The fights were what awesome. They should have just made it like that comic I've talked about a bunch of times called Destroy. That's just a battle from the... Be- yeah, from, I remember from- Destroy. <laughs> I, I feel like they would if it was cheaper to make those That's true. Scenes, That's probably what it is, know? budget. Yeah. Yeah. The um, fights were awesome, though. That was At least in this watching. one, as opposed to King of the Monsters, the fights were, were way better, and um, the... Humans in this movie, their whole point is to take you to the next monster fight. Yeah. Like they're not the the main problem I have with these, you know, I love Godzilla, but the main point I have problem I have with these these movies is they keep doing stupid shit and expecting me to be awed by it. Right. The way the characters are like, oh, and the music swells. It's like I'm <laughs> That's like, what I'm talking the, about. I'm like, really? At least the Toho movies like do stupid shit and just move the fuck on. Like yeah. they don't expect you to be impressed by their stupid alien invasion story. They just need to get to the monster shit. Yeah. And they know it. And these movies think they are being so awe-inspiring and amazing. I'm just like, I don't give a shit about your Hollow Earth bullshit. Show me Kong punching <laughs> it was things. such bullshit. Like, it's like, where was the light coming from in Hollow Earth? Uh, somewhere. <laughs> the, the, the sheer power of the energy that they were going to use. Like, like I don't know, you went through a portal Dude, to get to the Hollow Earth, and then later Godzilla just drills a hole like to the center of the Earth from China. Yeah. And then it's like 4,000 miles. It with an axe. And then Kong goes 4,000 miles from the center of the Earth right. in like 10 seconds. <laughs> we had an axe. So bad. So he's climbing with, with the so axe. So bad. But then he gets out, and you have this awesome fight yeah, in Hong Kong exactly. with all the neon light, and you don't care anymore. Like, that's <laughs> the, that's the thing is, like, you got you to gotta do the stupid shit and just move on. Yeah. Like, that's... 
Hopefully for the next one, they just cut the plot out. And it's just like a battle royale. Look, I didn't think there was going to be a next one. Yeah. But this thing's doing so well, even by terms of how it's, you know, streaming and the pandemic. I mean, it set a record for pandemic stuff. We'll probably get another one. My guess is Godzilla will not be in it anymore. Um, Because I think the Toho license ran out after this movie. People are just so desperate Um, for entertainment at this point because all the shows have run out. Like, I've been watching, like, The Walking Dead. Mortal Kombat's going to be a giant hit, specifically because people desperately want to see something, anything. I've been watching Um, The Walking Dead season that they shot during the pandemic. And, like, they can only (laughs) focus on, like, two characters. It has been Mm. abysmal. Like, literally, I know a lot of people, like, left that show because they thought it was bad, like, three years ago. You I'm honestly as kind of shocked it's still on. Do you watch this season? I didn't Holy. realize it was still even, even still on yeah. until people mentioned it this week. Yeah. It was that well, was my revelation. I will say this: this last episode that ended this little mini season was actually really good. It was the origin story of Negan, and that was the right. only good episode from the whole season. One season focused on Carol making a mouse trap for the whole episode. <laughs> I will say that I will also say this. I, I haven't seen the Negan thing, but I saw like a synopsis of it. It sounds like it's basically taken directly from this, the comic book of the oh. same name, which was also his origin story, because the only time that show is good is when they adapt the comic. It was and a really good episode, actually. Not and when it, they go off on their own weird thing. Even if like you've fallen off from that show, like it's worth it to go back and watch that episode because that's all it is. It's just yeah. how did Negan become Negan? And it's I, I might well just because I gave up on that show like three episodes in a season two, but I would kind of like to see Jeffrey Dean Morgan play out that story it's very that well I remember active. from the comic. Yeah. yeah, it's good. And it's heartbreaking as well. So mm. really good stuff. But unfortunately, the rest of the season, trash. All right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, we've been talking about Game Pass and how how can they do it? How can they do this thing that's so cheap and they're giving us so much? And is Microsoft just not care about making money? And then Phil Spencer is like, oh, we're going to make money and the business model makes sense. And we're like, you're full of crap and you're lying and blah, blah, blah. It's been this thing. And then we've kind of morphed into, okay, how is Sony going to answer Game Pass? Because it has to. I mean, it is Game Pass is building has built a ton of momentum in a very short period of time. I mean, I can just see it on Sifted in comments. You can see how many people are using it because everyone say, well, I played this on Game Pass. I played that on Game Pass. Well, I'll just wait until it shows up on Game Pass. It's become this thing that, and again, I asked a question today, like, you know, $70 games. We, we put up the episode of Pactor Factor about $70 games. And when I retweeted, I asked people, I'm like, are $70 games going to keep you from buying as many games as you have in the past? And some people said yes, some people said no. But a lot of people were like, Game Pass. Like, I'll wait for it to come to Game Pass, or I'll just get Game It is very quickly changing the perspective of how people look at games. And then Pactor, who, you know, very graciously gave us some MPD data, which he's not supposed to do, um, about how many games were sold for Xbox Series platforms, and it, it was like... A million or something like that. Not even like a million units sold of software so far because it's all Game Pass. It is a huge thing that's really kind of taking over the industry and taking the industry by storm right now. So we wondered how Sony was going to reply to it, how it was going to counter it. Because it needs to. Let's be honest. It needs to at this point. It's become that big where Sony needs to answer it. And I think we're starting to get our, our answer now, Matt. It appears that PlayStation Now is going to become sort of the de facto competitor for... Game Pass. And the biggest story, really, from this week, like financial-wise, is that MLB The Show 21 is coming to Game Pass, Matt. Day and date. What do you think about that? Great. I mean, it's great for consumers, (laughs) but I mean, from Sony's perspective, do you think it was smart for Sony to do that, though? 
Um, I mean, I'm guessing that, um, I don't know, like, you know, why did they go multi-platform? I assume because they weren't selling enough on PlayStation. And it almost one feels to me the- like they signed this deal before they realized that the tide was going to turn so hard with Game Pass. I mean, Microsoft's got to be paying them for the Game Pass deal. They're making money off it. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, have you seen how angry PlayStation fans are? Over, one, just over MLB well, coming to Xbox. And then the double whammy. Sony. So, right. you know, they, they can be weird all they want about this. But, like, this is what's happening. Um, I mean, I think it's great because it means I don't have to pay 70 bucks for MLB to show. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> you know, that's all I care about. Um and you know they they game pass pays the publisher whatever they need to pay to make it worth their while to to do that so sony's still making money from it um i don't really see a problem my the only problem remains like i still don't i haven't seen that factor factor episode but like i still don't understand where microsoft's making money to counteract the money they must be spending to get these games in place i don't get it either honestly but it's, see i think they're they're playing the long game they want oh yeah i just but the long game usually has an end game and i don't right. know what that is for them yeah it's almost like the only way that they can make it work is with a bait and switch like they can build up like this yeah. huge, seriously <laughs> like, though. All of, like all of a sudden we all owe the amount of money those games would cost and they've reported us to wells fargo or something like, it's like, just like right, wait a minute or something like that or like all of a sudden they start pulling back on what goes on game pass and yeah they, i mean they start I pulling guess. back on day and date i mean look they tried to like quadruple the price of xbox live out of nowhere um mm. which for you know was pretty mind-blowing for most people were like wait a minute like this doesn't this isn't in tune with what microsoft has been singing for the last yeah. like i mean year. That, that made me think when it you know the the, the seven or eight hours it happened in yeah, i was kind of like they oh, there's, the other, there's the other shoe you know like for the game the other game pass shoe is they want more money for the yearly subscription Right. Um, I, I mean, guess, that could be another was, way to bait and switch is jack up the price of Game Pass eventually. Yeah, which is kind of what I was expecting to happen. And then they backed off. I did not expect them to back off that the way they did. It's quickly, for sure. Yeah. But I don't know. To me, MLB The Show selling on Xbox is one thing because you figure Sony is still going to make the bulk of the profit off of that. But once it go into Game Pass, I mean, we've heard – Mixed messages from developers about Game Pass. I mean, most say that they're they're happy with what they're making there. Uh, they're not upset about what they're getting paid for their games on Game Pass. And a lot of them are like, well, we hope it gets people into our ecosystem and then the game leaves Game Pass and then maybe they buy it because they're hooked on the game. Like, I get all that. But I don't understand Sony's perspective allowing what, you know, last year was an exclusive game for PlayStation to make the move over there. I just... They got paid. I mean, how much? That's like it. a lot. <laughs> it must like be that, a lot. Enough to make it worth their while to keep that license. I mean, the other part of it too is that there are no good baseball games on Xbox at all. I mean, no. Like I think uh, there's the Super Mega Baseball is fun. RBI, whatever it is. Um, yeah. yeah, like there's, there's. I mean, there's nothing with the MLB license. There's, there's nothing that's real, realistic baseball. It's yeah, all no simulation. Baseball. Yeah. I just so yeah. I mean, I, that's been a problem in general or all around for years. You know, like the MLB, the show was the only game in town forever. Um, yeah, no, I mean, all you know, Sony likes money, and I would imagine that whatever whatever Microsoft was offering for the Game Pass deal, plus whatever Sony expects to make from PlayStation Five and Four sales, totals more than they've made on MLB the show yearly uh, for a while now. That could be. So that's yeah. probably what happened. That 
that's what I think must have happened. They did the math and they figured out that we'll do better yeah, if we like do that this. would have been it. Like to me, if I'm Microsoft and be like, should we offer them a Game Pass deal? Sure. All they can do is say no. Like and so send it. And I guess they liked it. And that poor studio that had to go from making one version Tony, of a game. Sony's here to make money. They're not here to fight a war. Like you know, if they can make money by having the competitor pay them like that up front, sure, take it. Why not? Um, and then another development that just was announced, well, not announced, but kind of leaked today, is that Battlefield 6 will be on Game Pass day one. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. Um, we have a our next episode of Game Pass. That's a profit deal. Yes, <laughs> Pactor would say, absolutely. Um, we have a uh, an episode of Game Pass or Fail, one, the first one that focuses on a first-person shooter coming up this week. And it's pretty interesting. Like, I just edited the script yesterday, and all the servers are, like, up and working. Like, for this shooter that is really old, it's, like, it's like almost a decade old. And the servers and stuff and, like, all of it, like, being able to search the servers and sort them, all that stuff is still up and still working. Um, so, you know, before I read that script, I kind of assumed that, like, you'd only be able to play the campaign in that game. But no, like, the, all the multiplayer functionality is still there which portends well for something like Battlefield 6 because I never would have guessed that Battlefield 6 would even be an option for Game Pass because I didn't, I haven't really played a lot of multiplayer stuff on Game Pass to see how the servers are and everything like that, but I'm guessing they just hook into the same servers as yeah, yeah just a handshake no to play the game. Yeah, I mean, they've already got deals with EA going on there, so yeah. that's, a, that's a synergy that pre-exists. Yeah, um, so that's a huge freaking deal. Yeah. Battlefield Big turnaround 6. from like last generation when PlayStation was the, the lead marketing skew for everything. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, the times, they are a change in, Matt, and they're changing really fast. So things are looking strong for... Um, yeah. I mean, it's like I said, I, I don't necessarily expect Xbox to end up outselling PlayStation 5 or anything this gen, but I do think we're going to see Microsoft close that gap in a way we didn't expect them to be able to over the course of the generation. I think they're going to start out next gen pretty neck and neck. Now, here is something that we've come across. Unless one of them does something really stupid, like Microsoft did with their it possible could... their attempt at DRM with the Xbox One and all that. Like that, that can all still happen. But I think current courses, I feel like Microsoft is going to make some headway. Yeah. So GTA Five coming back to Game Pass this month. It was up there before. I think it was there for two months before it disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, and that does bring up a question: Who does not have this game? I know. Like, <laughs> I know. My main question, like. I get Clearly, it. it's still you know still sells like crazy. Uh, I just don't get it. Well, it does bring up a question though, and it was actually brought up with uh, No Man's Sky when we did Game Pass or Fail for it. And it's like, okay, you get hooked into this game with this gigantic ecosystem like No Man's Sky or like GTA Online for GTA Five, and then it leaves Game Pass, and that presents some issues then because then you're you're wondering, well, do you have to go and buy the game full price? Granted. GTA 5 at this point, you can find it on sale pretty frequently and can get it pretty cheap. Mm. But that's not always going to be the case with all games. So how do you handle something like that? Like, I would... Would you jump into No Man's Sky on Game Pass, Matt? Uh, sure. Would you advise somebody to? Yeah. Yeah? Why not? Because it's I mean, such if you, an, if you... <laughs> such a huge game that, like, in, you invest so much into it. And if they could just take it away in any given month... Well, you still get to keep your save. It's not like it goes away. And if you really want to buy it, that game goes on sale for like 19 bucks pretty commonly. Yeah. Um, and you, even if any of you just absolutely have no patience and don't want to wait, you generally do get a uh, Xbox uh, Game Pass discount of like 5 or 10% on everything. 
Like um, looking ahead at like Battlefield Six, though. Obviously, it's a huge multiplayer-driven game that you get into, and you're leveling up, and you're unlocking all this stuff. Like, would you recommend somebody play that if like they're a big Battlefield fan? And like, I know I'm going to sure. play Battlefield Six a ton. Why not? You get a bunch of time free. Yeah, uh, gives you time to wait until everything gets to be like forty bucks. Like, you know, six weeks later, if you want to buy in that way. Or if it goes away and you felt like, you know, oh, I like this game enough to pay for it, you can do that. That's probably, you know, that's one of the ways they get you, obviously. That's, uh, like, part of the plan, I'm sure. Um, or, you know, you're just like, okay, I played this a certain amount of time, and uh, I did, I got it for free or for whatever cost of my subscription, and I feel like that's worth it. And I still have my save. I still have my progress. Uh, if it ever, com- ever comes back, I can start it up again. If I ever find it for super deep discount, I'll play it again. Or maybe, I'm, you know, I... I don't see a downside there, really. Okay. So like, you're just going like, to stuff, stuff tends to stay on Game Pass for a while. Like No Man's Sky's you know, been on there for a while now, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so maybe they are kind of looking at that and being like, we don't want to get people hooked on this stuff and then kind of yank out the carpet from underneath them. Yeah, they don't seem the to do that. And certainly their first party stuff seems to be there for pretty much ever. Um, again, making me wonder where the where the money comes from. But like... As long as long as they're doing it for us, we you know, why yeah. not? I do wonder though, like when you get so deep into some of those games, like a No Man's Sky or like a Destiny, and say it's been on Game Pass for six months or whatever, and you're just neck deep in it to this game that you play every day. I do wonder if you if when it's pulled away, if it would make some people stop playing the game. Because they're like, you know what? I got enough of this from Game Pass. I don't need to buy it now at full price for 60 bucks. Whereas maybe they would have, if it stayed on Game Pass, they would have kept playing it and kept kind of feeding into those microtransactions and all that other kind of stuff. Maybe. I mean, I, I, that's a, I mean, for me, that would be a pretty reasonable response after six months. Also, it's not going to be 60 bucks after six months. Yeah, not um, anymore. But like, I don't know. I'd imagine there's enough of a turnover rate there that it's probably worth their time. Um, I'd like to see some data on that. I guess what yeah, I'm, I'm sure Microsoft has that data. Um, they'll probably never show it to us. Yeah, but, <laughs> definitely uh, not going to show it to us. That's for sure. That's got to be part of the strategy, right? Like yeah. that, that that conversion rate has to be something they look at all the time and are trying to maximize the algorithm of how long something stays on Game Pass versus how likely someone is to buy a thing to continue playing it versus oh, I got enough out of this already, kind of thing. It gets complicated. I'm sure that's, that's the, <laughs> it really yeah, does. I'm sure that's a big crux of their business plan. Yep. Um, and then, as I was alluding to earlier, this has prompted a response from PlayStation, finally. And it appears that PlayStation Now is going to be the response to Game Pass. Today it was announced that Marvel's Avengers is coming to PlayStation Now. So oh, Really pulling out the big guns there, huh? Yeah, I mean, that is a big gun, though. I mean, if you think about it. Think about PlayStation Now. It's generally just been a collection I've, I've of I've been assets. on Marvel's Avengers since they did that PS5 update, and uh, <laughs> there's nothing there. There's... there's I mean, there's stuff there, like the Hawkeye campaign is is pretty good, but like, there's no one online, no one's talking about it. Um, it's sad, really. I'm just uh, saying, relative to what we've typically got on PlayStation now, which is usually yeah. really, really old games. Sure. Um, also, I I don't really see the uh, appeal of playing an online multiplayer game through a streaming service, but uh, free is free, I guess. My question is, do you think that? Sony changes what PlayStation Now is to so it becomes something where you can download the game and play it from your hard drive. One and two, is it too late? Do people already know PlayStation Now is a game streaming service, and maybe they need to create something new, like a new brand, like Game Pass, to kind of sell it, like PlayStation Pass or whatever? 
Maybe. I mean, I would argue that most people don't even know what PlayStation now is. Um, so if you want to rebrand it, you're pretty much free to do that. Um, I would argue that um, PlayStation now doesn't make a lot of sense for a Game Pass style service in terms of a name. Like not that that's ever stopped anyone before. Um, I mean, if we can, you can call it Stadia, you can call it anything. Um, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against rebranding it somehow. I don't know what you'd call it. Like PlayStation pass is too generic. Um, PlayStation access or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, transitioning to that would make sense to me because I think it's a more appealing option, uh, even though you do have, still have the hard drive space problem with the PlayStation five. Um, it would be a nice thing to announce at the same time as you tell us what fucking internal drives you can stick in that thing right um here you can use these drives and when you get extra hard drive space use playstation access to download games for free with your plus subscription because as a streaming service playstation now is not the answer it's not no to take on game pass it's not going to get it done in fact you're seeing right now like latency tests that uh, digital foundry did on playstation now um Mm. and they're showing how many frames you're losing playing it live versus playing it on playstation now Um, yeah it's no stadia uh, even as someone who is a dive in the wool Stadia detractor, Stadia does that way better than PlayStation Now ever has. Because PlayStation Now is essentially like the first ever game streaming service. It's like yeah, Gaikai it's, it's and Online. Tech at this point, like I'm sure they've been updating it, but yeah, it's that's ancient tech at this point. Yeah, I mean Gaikai on Live. Like people don't even remember the, those yeah. names anymore. They've been around for so long, and it's not like we've got any press releases from Sony saying that they've done some, you know any work on it or they've tried to improve the latency it's pretty much this thing that's yeah. been there that's just i mean I, rem- I remember sessler coming back from a, the first demo of the guy kai on live thing and it, i remember talking to him about it and the area of the building we were in would indicate that that was at least 11 years ago yeah so because yep. that's where our desks were at that time so yeah it's been a while and then you know you start talking about the loss and fidelity of visuals with game streaming Mm-hmm. Um, and all those sorts of things. I mean, obviously, response time. Like, yeah. just, I'm guessing Sony has not set up the server farms that Google has set up. No, no, I don't think that's their forte, really. So, yeah, I'd agree with you. I think it needs to be something new. Uh, maybe this, this like getting new games for PlayStation Now is like a a, a transition from PlayStation mm-hmm. Now into whatever they're going to do. E3 would probably be a great time for them to announce something like that. Just change it to PlayStation Pow. <laughs> <laughs> but Matt, I mean, that's I way too much fun for Sony. They would never call yeah. it. Yeah, I don't think that Sony can wait too long, though, Matt, to try to announce to announce something along the lines to compete with Game Pass. Um, let's be honest; it is losing customers to Game Pass. There's no denying that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't think it's broken out to the mainstream yet in terms of like some kind of critical mass, and they are still very much winning the new console sales race. Mm-hmm. Um, so they got some time, but I would say that you know E three is the the bare minimum where you got to like at least like wink to the shareholders that you see the threat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. that's that's like you got to acknowledge that that is a thing. You know, you stood back and sort of waited to see if this was going to make any waves at all, and it clearly is. And it, there's no reason to think that those waves might not expand to a more mainstream uh, title wave in the next year or so, uh, as word gets around and sort of you know the idea that you would because you, you know you could pay the price of a game for a year and play Battlefield for what is you know perceptually free on launch day. Um, 
yeah, I would say Sony's hit the point where they they need to acknowledge that this is a thing that's coming for them. And even if they didn't make money off it from MLB the show and, uh, you know, figure out something to sort of, uh, if not like kill it, just like sort of say we have something like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, level the playing field so it's not, you know, right now the MLB situation is like I am playing that on Xbox. Yeah, because it's on Game Pass. Right, like that's it. And if I happen to buy some kind of microtransaction thing, which I never have from from MLB the Show, but were I to, uh, that People would will. that money that money would go to Microsoft. Yep. The so that's too. a thing you got to address, even if you've already got, even if they've gotten paid for it, because that's also going to be true of Battlefield. It's yeah. also going to be true of uh, pretty much. It was true of Outriders. It's true of pretty much anything. Well, another thing too about it is if you look at Battlefield, which at first I was like, oh my god, like that's crazy that they're going to put on their day and date. But then I remembered that Battlefield had a Battle Royale mode that flopped hard, Battlefield Five, mm-hmm. called Firestorm. And yep. if you want to get people, so, you know, the way that was, you had to buy Battlefield Five, and then you got Firestorm, and that's the way Call of Duty did it at first, too. Um, they had, like, the first Battle Royale for Call of Duty, you had to buy the game to play the Battle Royale mode. You, you couldn't get it for free. And then, obviously, they changed that with Modern Warfare, and Warzone has just become gigantic. Um and so if you're EA and you're going to try to do the same thing with Battlefield, putting Battlefield 6 on Game Pass where people there's a low barrier of entry for people to get in there and get it, you could get away with still having Firestorm, whatever they end up calling it. They probably would do better to just change the name of it after what happened with the first one. But if you want to still sell Firestorm to people who are going to buy it and not just make it a free-to-play download... That's a good way to kind of have it both ways. You could put it in the $60, $70 game, and you have to pay for it that way. But if it's a part of Game Pass, then you have all these people that are part of Game Pass that are getting into the into the Firestorm ecosystem and spending money on microtransactions and all the other things that people spend money on in these free-to-play games that make them become huge hits. Look at Activision's financials. Like, since they made... Of uh, the battle royale mode free, their financials have exploded. And the crazy part, as Pack has brought up a couple times, is the sales of the base game have also exploded because they can do smart things like put weapons in the game that you buy that you can only get by buying the $60 game. You don't put them in the Game Pass version, or even if you do end up doing a free to play version, you don't put them in that. But if you buy the $60 version of the game that has Firestorm or whatever it's called on it, and you load it up with a bunch of guns that you can only get if you actually paid for it, then you can kind of double dip and you get the best of both worlds. You get the people, the free-to-play people, who will spend money on microtransactions. So, so the chat is saying you can download PlayStation Now games. You can. To the hard drive, which wow. is news to me. I did not know that. Maybe they should have said that. Yeah, maybe they should. Well, I mean, that You should probably advertise that. Well, Sony. there you go. I mean, that shows poor marketing and messaging on Sony's part. That, that two people who do a gaming podcast every week, we're not aware that you could download games on PlayStation Now. That's Been crazy. Like that for a long time, says Veritas. Well, that's Sony's failure to not message yeah. that out. I mean, if, if you and I don't know that, I mean, granted, I haven't that's looked a problem. at PlayStation Now in years, but uh, you got to tell me there's a reason to look at PlayStation Now. Well, the reason I haven't played PlayStation Now is because I thought it was just a streaming service. <laughs> I mean, well, it kind of goes to your point about rebranding it. Yeah. I mean, because I, exactly, because I just assumed that's what it is. Like, I've never heard any messaging saying I can now download games and play on PlayStation Now. So um, that's news to me, which kind of makes our point that Sony, need, one, needs to rebrand, and two, needs to do a better job of messaging out. Maybe E3, they can do both of those things. Um, 
I don't know. But it's so far behind at this point. And again, I th- I think most people assume what we assumed, that PlayStation now is a streaming service only. And I don't think there's any way to kind of turn that around with the, the mass consumer, to be honest with you. So okay, only PS4 and PS2 on PS4 games. So it's not applicable to PS5 yet. Yeah, I'm assuming... Well, that, maybe that's part of their announcement, too. Yeah, well, I mean, also because I imagine PS5 games are too new to end up on that service right? just yet. Yeah. Um, the big difference there does seem to be a day-and-date situation. I guess maybe Sony's starting to counter that a little bit with PlayStation Plus. Do you think um, Sony will ever do that, though? It would ever make its first-party games day-and-date on PlayStation Now? I don't know. I mean, that comes down to crunching the numbers, doesn't it? But it's like, I'd be like... <sighs> Are you ever going to make more money through your kind of subscription scheme uh, versus how much money you're going to make if you just sell God of, God of War Ragnarok on its own? Like, it feels like they do just fine with that. Yeah. yeah. Part, of, part of the reason Game Pass feels like it makes sense is because Microsoft's exclusives do not sell God of War numbers. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. When was the last time a Microsoft exclusive sold... 20 million units. 20 million? I, who, ever? <laughs> ever, yeah, <laughs> like not, ever? I've been a, been a couple <laughs> gens, I would think. Like maybe one of the Halos. Maybe um, maybe the first Gears. Early Gears of War. Gears of War 1 or 2. I don't know. The first Halos um, came out. I mean, the install base for consoles was nowhere near what it is now. I'd be surprised yeah. if even the Halos sold out. Like I could see like doing like a day and date like PlayStation Now drop or PlayStation Plus drop for like Days Gone 2. Um, that's not one of your, you know, Keystone franchises, but like I think you're kind of crazy if you did that with like Ragnarok. Yeah, Danny Danboy ninety says it's been you've been able to download and play games on PlayStation now for two years now, and that's probably how long it's been since I've tried PlayStation now. <laughs> and also, like if that's how they're setting it up, is like part of the problem might be that the games you can do that with are games that I've already played. Yeah, I've had no incentive to try PlayStation now for the last two years, none. Yeah, and that's the problem. And if you're not going to put your first party games up there, and they have. But they're like four years old by the time they appear on PlayStation Now. Um, there's no been no incentive for me to try PlayStation Now mm-hmm. because they're not getting big third-party stuff. They're not getting recent third-party stuff. And they're not putting their recent first-party stuff up there. It's like... Yeah. I mean, play, like I said, PlayStation Plus seems to be sort of where they're you know, trying to counter out a little bit. We've got Oddworld Day and Date this week, yep. um, which is certainly not Battlefield 6. Right. But um, at least there's movement there. That other that indie game that just went up... Um, uh, maquette yeah i think that was day and date yeah. a couple weeks ago um they're getting there and then there's know. like the playstation plus collection which is like a bunch of collection is really good i mean that's more of a greatest hits thing but like that's a really good setup yeah and those are downloadable you can download those, yeah. those games and play them off your hard drive. yeah i knew that they, they told me that yeah um yeah. it's yeah well they add a library function at least mm-hmm. like it's not you know it's it's there but microsoft gets more heat from being day and date on these things yeah, um, it gets all. I would argue it gets all its heat from being day and day on yeah. these things. That's the thing is the difference between, and you know, there's only a certain kind of people. You know, we're we're the kind of people that care about that because we're like you know core gamer people. But like, that's kind of the question now is like Sony's approach seems to be like, hey, if you wait if you wait long enough on like something big like Final Fantasy VII remake, we'll give it to you through PlayStation Plus or whatever, yeah. or we'll do you know, our greatest hits and, you know, God of War is a couple of years old, but you can play it for free on PlayStation 5 now if you're a subscriber. Great. Yeah. Whereas uh, whereas uh, Xbox is like, um, we're going to save you 70 bucks the day it comes out and you can be part of that conversation online. Yep. Um, the question becomes, 
you know, clearly we care about something like that. Do the millions and millions of people who make a game a critical hit at that retail, do they care about that? Theoretically, I would think, I think they so. do because yeah. sales are still pretty front weighted in terms of the first week or two. Yep. So, you know, they're aware enough to go out and buy it and be part of that, oh, you know, FOMO first wave huge, conversation. Matt. Huge. Everybody yeah. wants to be a part of whatever the hot new thing is and be able to discuss it online with their or with their friends or whatever. Yeah. Like I'm really curious about the Battlefield 6 thing because that I me mean, I I'm, I'm excited about the MLB the show cuz I like baseball and I like the MLB the show series. I'm not going to try to claim that that is on par with Battlefield fucking six. Um, So Battlefield six would be, originally I would have said Halo would have been an interesting metric for that, but who knows where that is. It still is going to be. It's going to be, but like we don't, you know, Battlefield six, we, we, we have a pretty sure release date and not release date, but we know when it's coming out. We know, we know that Battlefield's probably making this year. EA is pretty good about that. Um, Be very curious to see what that looks like. Yeah. Um, I mean, chances are it's going to release, Pretty close to Halo. We'll have two really good examples yeah. right there in our face. It's just, it just, it's hard to come. Seems like it would be hard to compete with the Game Pass perception of getting something for nothing, mm-hmm. um, whereas everyone else wants money from you for it. And obviously, you are paying money for it because you're subscribing to Game Pass. But the perception is always more important than the reality when it comes to this kind of thing. Yeah, third parties aren't as incentivized to do this as first party is. Like it mm-hmm. makes more sense. It still seems crazy. But it does make more sense for Microsoft to do it than EA because oh yeah yeah EA does live off of those sales. It really kind of yeah. needs seventy dollars I mean, for EA Battlefield. Play, EA Play does have a similar like mindset, but like I don't like just the the day and date thing is is might be money like hats. Said, I, I mean, you're waiting. Like I said, I you know you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You start getting into this bidding war eventually, maybe between Sony and Microsoft to try to secure this stuff for their services, yeah. like which could end up being really good for certain indie games. Yeah, and for some big third party games too. I mean, yeah. look, we don't know. Yeah. Microsoft may have given EA a lot of money for this. Oh yeah, for Battlefield. You know, 6. Bobby Kotick must be drooling over this. <laughs> like, yeah, if there's anything that guy would want. You know, I think Activision would want right now is to start a bidding war between Microsoft and Sony over who gets their God. the Game Pass rights to Call of Duty. Ooh. He'd make, they'd make, you'd have to give him a lot of money, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't even fathom how much money you'd have to give Activision for that. Oh, yeah, but imagine getting locked in for the microtransactions on that. Just the, just the critical mass of that yeah, the would be probably worth it to one of them. Honestly, for all this stuff. Like Game Pass, trying to figure out whether it's actually profitable. It just it goes beyond my means mathematically mm-hmm. at a certain point. I've tried to ponder it, and at a certain point, my brain is like, Shane, stop. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is big data that, like, yeah. you know, this is like... These are decisions you can really only make if you are these companies that have this this just you know reams and reams of data and years and years of trends and you know you, they have every imaginable piece of data on this stuff and they can crunch it out and like it's you know it's kind of like that thing that they do in office space where they skim like half a penny off everything right. and then they accidentally <laughs> make like millions and millions of dollars it's like yep. it's, you know when at, you're if you're at that kind of critical mass and it's mathematically dependable you can make a ton of money off of something that feels like it makes nothing yeah that's true so anyway, there you go. That's the, the the new battle, really, between PlayStation Now, maybe, or maybe some other service, and Xbox Game Pass. It's just going to keep heating up. And I would guess that coming out of E3 2021, that will be one of the big topics that everyone's discussing on yeah. And I would also Xbox argue industry. that this is one of the few areas of modern game business where the consumers come out on top, yes. no matter who wins. Yeah, it's good news. We need more stuff like this in the industry. 
especially now that they're trying to sell us games for 70 bucks instead of 60 bucks. So mm-hmm. good to see we're getting some value somewhere. Uh, let's move on. We're going to talk next about CD Projekt Red. Um, <laughs> let's go to the opposite end of the consumer-friendly <laughs> spectrum. Still reeling from the launch of Cyberpunk 2077. Let's be honest. It just released oh, yeah. a huge patch for the game, which by all accounts, anecdotally, I'll admit, uh, it fixed almost nothing. Um, I've seen... I mean, it fixed uh, it fixed a bunch of weird little bugs. Uh, it improved uh, performance on the last-gen systems to some degree. Uh, PS- PS4 Pro in particular is pretty solid frame rate in most cases right now, judging by the Digital Foundry video. Uh, the Xbox is still having tearing problems. and so, I mean, it's, they're not done by any means. And like... More and more, you just start looking. You're just like, oh, those next gen patches are way out there. Like, you know, we'll, we'll be lucky if we get that that you know the supposed PS5 Xbox Series X patch by the end of the year at this rate. Well, the other part of it is that rumors are starting to swirl that the multiplayer has just been killed. That wouldn't surprise me. Which I know you're um, not devastated by that. You don't play a lot of multiplayer games. No. I really wanted to play the multiplayer in this because I really thought it had an opportunity to be something completely new and unique. Oh yeah, but but after playing what came out. Do you <laughs> anymore? That's I mean, do you want to put yourself through that for what that would be? You, you know? Yeah, probably not. Um, I mean, it might be for the best, honestly, if they do kill it or cancel it. Yeah. Because if conceptually, like I agree with you, it's it's a cool idea to run around that city with all those abilities with people like doing stuff. Like, but after that, it's just like just just get it in the shape it should have been when it came out and move on. Yeah, a lot of the headlines I saw after that patch, I think it's what one point two or something like that. Yeah, 1.2, 40 gigs. Most of the, yeah, exactly. Most of the headlines, and how do you, 40 gigs, and you still didn't fix the 40 game. 40 gigs. It's insane. And I mean, 1.1, 1.1 was almost that, too. I mean, these, these are not, small. I mean, a lot of this is just straight up replacing the game data. Yeah, replacing code. Um, and all the headlines for patch 1.2 were, if you've been waiting for Cyberpunk to be fixed before playing it, keep waiting. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, that's. I mean, particularly on next-gen system. You know, I loaded it up, and it's. Same, you know, it's, it, a lot because tons of the fixes are specific things that can break mission flow and break game advancement. You know, things you'd only run into in a particular you know thing you did in a particular mission, a particular chapter, whatever, um, which are important to fix. But it's just like they're, you know, they're bug fixes that are things that should have been done before the game was shipped. They're not like, oh wow, this the all the shading looks better now. It's like that's not true. And a matter of fact, a lot of the stuff on the last gen consoles, they are lowering the priority of loading in the high res textures to get, you know, streaming the data to work faster and the frame rate to stay up. So you, you know, you run up to pedestrians or buildings too quickly, you're gonna get some weird, you know, deformed texture mess until it loads it back in. You know, it's it's like the old Unreal Engine games where like like the old you know, Mass Effect 1, where if you run too fast, like the, the aliens will yeah. all have like low-res textures on it. Like you yeah. can get, get that to happen on Cyberpunk now on the old systems. Um, <laughs> so it's like you've improved it technically, but in terms of frame rate, but it still doesn't really work right. Like I don't know if there's a solution to, to it. You think they're you ever going to get it fixed, Matt? Like I think ever. they're going to get it. I think they're going to get it fixed to the point where like you could call it like fully playable. Um you know, that it's not like dipping, maybe frame rates not dip into the teens. Um, but do I think that it's ever going to be like a good time on vanilla PS4? No, I, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I don't see how it can. I don't either. Like, like I think it'll probably <laughs> eventually end up being fine on like high you know, power PS, PS5 and, and high power PC, PS5, Series X. Like, I think those will be fine by the end of probably next year. 
Um, but for I, I like if you're if you're somehow still trying to play this on a vanilla Xbox One or PS4, just stop doing that to yourself. Like who's doing that to themselves? And with like, all it's, this it's, in mind, Matt, and it's stupid. They, they should not have have released it for those systems. But you know, we are where we are. Well, I mean, the game was in development for like eight years, so oh, yeah. not releasing it for the systems that were currently well, available. I, more, what more like five years? Yeah, right. Because they well, said like 2016 is when they finally started working. Really on it. working on it. Yeah, but they put out the first and not just drawing before. pictures of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pre-production, right? That counts. Right. Well, with all this in mind, Matt. Um, do you find it odd that this week CD Projekt Red announced that it is launching a new studio in Canada and it is, from this point forward is going to develop, develop multiple games simultaneously? So conceivably, Witcher 4 and the next Cyberpunk game will be developed side by side going forward with sort of a satellite studio in Canada. Do you think mm-hmm. that's a good idea? I mean, it's got to be better than what they're doing. You think it's better than what they're doing now? Hand uh, it over, get, big development of a huge office, IP to some new studio? Not if you're... I mean, I think the Canadian studio is going to basically be in charge of, like, the technical situation. Like, I think you're going to get high levels. You know, high-level design comes from Poland, and the Canadian studio sort of, like, does the nitty-gritty and the, and the due diligence. You know what I mean? Huh. Like, you're, gonna, you're basically going to do what Ubisoft does. You know, like, you know, sure... Uh, um, on a smaller scale, but it's like you know, at Ubisoft, like the the idea people are in Montreal, like for Assassin's Creed, but the game is made all over the world. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then, man, maybe that's the solution. Maybe you maybe no longer tasking the home office in Poland with you know the nitty gritty is the solution. I mean, like, I think that's so, what they're trying been... to do. I absolutely think they're trying to emulate Ubisoft, without yeah. a doubt. I think they looked at Ubisoft. They're like, that's the model we want to follow. And that's what we're going to try to do. Well, do you think it's a coincidence that they're putting it in Canada? Right. Where they no, can just I don't. Poach all all. Ubisoft people? I, I mean, like, it's, you know. it's exactly what they're doing. But yeah. I would argue that that has not worked out well for Ubisoft, a company with far well, maybe they don't have more resources than CD Projekt Red. They might, after all the returns for Cyberpunk 2077. I, I mean, I think um, they probably have somewhat equal resources in terms of individual game projects. Certainly, Ubisoft has more resources as a total company. But in terms of what you're throwing at an individual project, I would say what what you're throwing at Witcher Four and Assassin's Creed, whatever we're doing next, <laughs> I forgot what number it is. I mean, they, the last 12, Creed, 13? Like, the last I Creed it's had a thousand equivalent. people working on it. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's different, but like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, they got to do something because so you know they, they've hit the point where because you know, we can freak out about what Cyberpunk looks like as much as we want. But when, if we're honest about it, Witcher 3 launched not super different. Right. Uh, Witcher 2 launched not super different from that. Witcher 1 was basically not playable, and they had to put out an enhanced edition for free to fix everything. They re-recorded all the fucking dialogue. Um, like, they have a very steady history of putting out an inferior product at launch and fixing it later. And it is in, and after certainly Cyberpunk seems to be where we just got tired of that. I mean, doesn't like, Ubisoft not... do the same thing, though? Look at Legion. Watch Dogs Legion was a disaster at launch. Was it? Yeah, it was all kinds of broken. And they didn't have the multiplayer option ready. And I mean, at least they got the oh, multiplayer yeah. out. <laughs> like, I finally. mean, that happened with Watch Dogs 2 as well. I don't know why the Watch Dogs games have later multiplayer things. Um, the, uh, I mean, Assassin's Creed generally has itch more than its share of bugs. 
in issues. Yeah, but, but Assassin's Creed works on yeah. last-gen systems. Like, I've never seen you anything... return Assassin's Creed in mass. Yeah, PlayStation has never pulled an Assassin's Creed from its store. Um, there's, there's definitely a difference in scale here. Um, yeah, I'm not saying that Witcher 3 was as broken as Cyberpunk was at launch. I'm just saying... Uh, there's always been that period where you're sort of like, well, just wait and wait for them to fix it with, with Cyber, CD Projekt Red. And it would certainly, it seems to me that in the wake of cyberpunk, they need to kind of come up with a solution so we don't have to do that anymore. Um, maybe this is it. I don't know. Um, obviously, like the, the simple way to say it would be like, well, just do it right the first time. But like that it doesn't seem to be working. So maybe bring in some people that know how to do that assembly line process and maybe that'll help. Um, sounds like the business to me. It seems like the business side of CD Projekt Red is the problem. Um, I mean, the development side is the problem the, too I because the, they're not hitting deadlines. But the business side is forcing them to release unfinished product. Somewhat, maybe part of this though is like uh, maybe part of the strategy here is because uh, it sounds in some of those interviews and some of the stuff that Schreier wrote about that like um, part of the problem is that the people there who would say like, no, this isn't possible. And, and the higher ups wouldn't believe them. So maybe part of the strategy here is we're going to poach a bunch of people from Ubisoft who have put together all these huge projects so that when these guys say, when we say we want this and these guys who made like three Assassin's Creed's and a Watch Dogs and a Rainbow Six are going to say like, that's not feasible for the deadline you want. Maybe the higher ups will actually believe those guys. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like if they put this thing out the way it was, I don't think there's any talk. There's talking any. There's no talking sense to them. Well, I think they knew what they were putting right. out. Yeah, so they don't um, care. Like if someone goes to because, says, but, that, but that was because the thing was mismanaged from the beginning, um, and you hit a point where, like, you know, you you. I think you had um, probably a similar situation to what happened with uh, Mass Effect Andromeda or, or Anthem, where they talked about the Bioware magic, where they just sort yeah. of assumed that everything would come together, come together magically the in, in the home yeah. stretch, and it didn't. And the same thing happened with CD Projekt Red here. I don't think they um, would assume that there was any magic at CD Projekt Red. Every game they put no, out. No, but I think the you know there's that there's that attitude that that a lot of like supervisors and higher ups have at these game companies that are similar to Jeffrey Rush in uh, Shakespeare in Love, where it's just like it's like oh it'll all come together. How? It's like nobody knows. It's a mystery. Like it's just that kind of you know because that happens sometimes, especially with like you know live production and all that stuff. He's like we're oh this is there's never going to work. We, our last meeting was a disaster, and then it goes flawlessly because everybody pulls it together and gets it done. But like that's not always going to happen. You know that clearly happened with like some Bioware projects in the past, but it didn't happen with Anthem. It didn't happen with Cyberpunk, uh, even though you know clearly they were able to pull together Witcher Three into something playable, unless you were on a PlayStation Three, yeah. um, it's or PlayStation Four, and it's just like. Um, you know, you, you kind of ran the ragged edge of a disaster and you finally lost the bet. And now you gotta, now you gotta come up with a way to make sure that never happens again. It's also crazy Um, watching some of these trailers now for cyberpunk 2077. And you're like, how many times did you have to record that shotgun blast for that enemy to fall realistically over like five bags of trash into a trash can? Because it's like, well, a lot of that I'm sure is just pre pre rigged. I guess. Because that's not the way it works in the game. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, mean a lot if you're of this media was so misleading in so many if ways. If you're doing the demo or a trailer like that, you're just going to pre-rig that and you know call it a day. I'm sure most of that isn't even played real time. You just you know it's just it's a tool assisted speed run basically. Yeah. It's pretty dirty what ended up happening with this game when you really look at it in hindsight. Yeah. I mean, look most most game trailers are that. 
Um, it's just that most game trailers tend to end up reflecting what they make. And I'm okay with that if it's yeah. not called a gameplay trailer. If you reflect, and also I, I'm okay with it as long as you're reflecting what's actually going to be in the final product. Um, in this case, that clearly was not the case. Like if it's just um, a cinematic trailer, rig up all you want. But when you call something a gameplay trailer, I'm assuming what I'm seeing is you playing the game. And you can cut it up and edit it however you want. But what I'm seeing <laughs> should be what happens when you're actually playing the code not eh, I never assumed. I mean, that's I think that's what should be implied by the term gameplay trailer. But in rea- in the real world, all I assume when I see gameplay trailer is in engine. Hmm. That's it. Yeah, I've, I always assumed a little more than that, and I was wrong for doing that. Apparently, I mean, I think that's a reasonable assumption you're making, but I'm more cynical than you are. So it, I that I mean, and early on I would have agreed with you, but over the years I've been like, okay, gameplay trailer just means. In engine. <laughs> in engine. It doesn't even necessarily mean real time. It just means we did this in the game engine. Yeah. Which means nothing if you know anything about game engines, but that's sort of you know, that's sort of what they've sort of settled on it meaning at this point. And I'm, some companies are more honest than others about that kind of thing. But clearly, you know, the the you you can't let your guard down when it comes to marketing in anything, but especially not with games. Now Matt, as a huge Witcher fan. How do you feel about Witcher 4 being developed like this? Fine. Yeah? Like, I, as long as the same creative minds are sort of calling the shots on the on the narrative and the, and, the, and the design of that kind of thing, I'm fine with that. Like, I don't care who codes it, really. Um, if anything, I think this might improve things. Um, you know, expand the team, expand to people who can really, like, get, meet a deadline and, and get something done and be realistic about it could help them uh also like if you if you're going to do that you expand out like that it means maybe we're not waiting five to ten years between cd project red games anymore i mean that's Um, really their goal here is that they need to get product out more often like you can't be you can't be taking six seven years to put something out and then after you've done that and then you've spent another year year and a half fixing it now you can start in your next game because you're not going to you're going to get one thing out of generation if you're lucky and the other thing too is if you keep going down this path people are going to stop buying your games they're going to mm. wait. I mean, I've seen this already, the sentiment on Sifted, where people are like, "Not never again. Yeah. Next time, like it wouldn't, I'm waiting It wouldn't for be reviews. such a huge problem if every time you put out, if you put out one game a decade, if that game was like super high quality, if you're right. like doing a GTA thing, yeah. you know, if your game's super high quality and everybody likes it and there's no real problem with it, like, boom, done, great. Um, but when you do that, and the game's a piece of junk. But yeah, but yeah, that's that's what I meant about how you're you know you're riding the rat, you're be- placing a bet on the edge of disaster, and this time they lost the bet. Um, you know, if GTA put out a terrible GTA Six, the same thing would happen. You know, but it, but it seems like Rockstar is probably not going to do that. Um, although they did put the Red Dead Redemption online uh, stuff out much later than the rest of the game. Like that yeah. seems to be an increasingly common thing. But they didn't put out something that was broken. No, like no. Red Dead single player. It worked. It more than worked. You know, it was very polished. And by the time the multiplayer came out, it was pretty polished too. So, you know, Rockstar does the 10-year development cycle the right mm-hmm. way. If there is such a thing as a right way to take 10 years to but develop Rockstar a video But Rockstar recognizes that, that if you're going to do it that way, everything you put out has to be a home run. Yeah, absolutely. From day one. Yeah. When people buy it and pre-order it, it better be good. Because mm-hmm. they're not, I don't know if CD Projekt Red, even The Witcher 4, I would be surprised if they get as many pre-sales as Cyberpunk 2077. No, I, th- I think it's going to hurt them. 
very, very much. Until they prove that they can deliver on launch day. Like, I mm-hmm. I would struggle to tell a friend to buy a CD Projekt Red game because no, I, told I would definitely people, say, like, let's wait and see what it's like. Yeah, let's I wait, told wait people to, to buy Cyberpunk on launch day, and they now hate me. And holy so. shit, you better be sending that review code out, like, three weeks before launch. Like, the, you... Like they need to, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not saying this is what's going to happen, but like they need to be very forthcoming, very transparent, very like, you know, walk you through the process sort of thing. Like, like that's the thing, Matt, like they, very much so. like if you go to their presentations and things like that's the, the vibe they send out is that we care about you as journalists. We care about the player. Um, like if you went and watched the demo for this at E3, you never would have dreamed that this was going to happen because all they talk about is how concerned they are about their fans and blah, blah, blah. It was all a bunch of bullshit. Let's be honest. Like they knew that that game when they showed it at E3 wasn't even a game yet. That whole demo was fake. Like it's dirty. And I think a lot of people got burned and I think they have to do a lot better than open up some Canadian satellite studio to change it. So, well, they're going to have to basically put out a home run. They're also going to have to learn. Like, it it took Ubisoft a while to figure out how to do this satellite thing. Like, how do you Mm -hmm. divvy up the jobs? What can a satellite studio do well? And then how can we integrate it into the project? Like, you may be right. They may oppose people from UB to help them with this stuff. I don't know, but... I think they are. I I don't... I wouldn't... Certainly not assume that they're doing this without any... any, Asking any advice from any other company. Um... You know, it's and also the Ubisoft model is pretty well established as sort of the general AAA blockbuster model at this point. Like Ubisoft took a while to figure it out, but they did figure it out, yeah. and now kind of everyone uses it. Um, at least when you're on that scale, it seems to be sort of the the way to do it. Um, I don't know. The the thing that they're going to have to do is, um, you know, Witcher Four, or whatever their next. Assuming their next game is Witcher Four or whatever Witcher they're going to do, um, that thing's got to come out and it's got to be fucking rock solid. Yep. It's got to. It's got to be, you know. It's got to be rock star level, rock solid. <laughs> I would be really surprised if that it were would. the case. You're right. But like, but it's I like, would look, be I mean, I think we would all be surprised because they don't have that track record. But I think that's what they need to do. I also think like, if they did I think that, they know that's people what would they very need quickly do. rejoin the party. <laughs> Absolutely, but like, you need to. Do, you need to get it done. Like, you yeah. know, I think everyone, including CD Projekt Red themselves, knows that that's what needs to happen. The question becomes, can they get it to happen? Yeah. Um, uh, I, I the, other overall, thing, the other thing they need to do is not announce their next thing yeah. until they're real cl- until they're ready to basically play it in front of us. I think overall this is the right call because I agree with you. This is where development is headed for big games like this, and so they're going to have to do it sooner or later. They might as well do it sooner. Do I think that it's going to make The Witcher Four and Cyberpunk twenty seventy eight or whatever it ends up being called better? I'm not so sure about that. I think mm-hmm. games on down the road will reap the rewards of it. I don't know about their next couple. I mean, you can't stuff. even worry about better right now. Yeah. You just need to worry about finished. Like passable. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. That's the latest on CD Projekt Red. Um, Although, the, to be fair, if their track record means anything, they haven't even started Witcher 4 right, yet. Right? So maybe it will matter. You maybe know? that's why they're starting this studio, so they can start Witcher 4. I think that's probably <laughs> true. Because now they're so bogged down with trying to fix Cyberpunk. It's like, yeah. 
and trying to save like face. The, yeah, the home office is probably going to be, you know, busy de- fixing Cyberpunk for the rest of the year at least. Because they've already been neck deep in that code for yeah. however many years. Yeah, like. you can't hand that over to a new team that's never seen that, that code <laughs> What a before. nightmare that would be. But you can have a new team start Building a brand new game. the assets yeah. in the world. Like here's the red engine, where, here's the basic idea yeah. of what Witcher 4 is going to be, start on it. Yeah. And so, especially because like you have a template in Witcher 3 that you can just say like, just do Witcher 3 again kind yeah. of thing and so everyone's going to know what that means yeah so we'll see but that's the latest on cd project red it's a big mess really right now yeah i mean it's a salvage operation let's be yeah, honest it is but it might work but at least you know? they've started the salvage operation yeah it would be more concerning if they did nothing they were just sitting on their hands yeah yeah all right let's move on we're going to talk next about what we're finally starting to see as the fallout of COVID 19 the coronavirus I, we thought we were going to skate by um, with really minimal impact, and it did seem for quite a while, Matt, that there while, was yeah. that there was minimal impact on game development from COVID nineteen. Uh, but it's start, we're starting to find out now that that is simply not the case. There is some major fallout from COVID nineteen affecting game development, and it is resulting in a lot of delays. A lot of delays. We've had. Yeah, them... It really seems like a lot of stuff that was already pretty far along, kind of home stretch did get done yep but stuff that was in the the thick of like kind of mid development really took a hit yep and matt alluded earlier in the show that there was one game in particular that we're just completely flummoxed by and we haven't discussed this matt but i think i may have guessed what it is is that lego sky lego star wars skywalker Saga? yes lego skywalker saga is exactly what i was thinking of I do not understand why this game is taking so long. Like, I did a segment about this game at E3 2019. Yeah. Like, what is going on? It's two years later. Well, the it's scary a thing Lego about it game. is they didn't even announce, like, a new date. No, they're just like, we're going to miss spring. We'll tell you when it's coming. It's like, what's happening? Like, Are I you honestly adding thought the entire this game Mandalorian or what? I thought it was done, and they're just trying to find like a perfect r- window for it. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't like know. maybe when the Mandalorian comes back or something like that. Like, I never dreamed that's that it like would... December. What are you doing? <laughs> like, I mean, look, I'm also impatient because I want to play it. Right. I admit. Um, I mean, look, if you are adding a Mandalorian section, like, great. You like, think that might be that's it. Where, could be. I mean, Skywalker Saga, if you want to yeah. cover all the Skywalker stuff. Yeah, that's true, um, actually. Spoiler, unfortunately, for those of you who haven't watched Mandalorian. Yeah, it was but... <laughs> six months ago. Get on with it. <laughs> all bets are off now. You bet on Twitter, you saw it. That is about the biggest <laughs> spoiler from the show, though. I would argue. Hmm. It's what surprised me the most about the show when I watched it. I'm impressed that you managed to watch the show without learning anything. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know anything about it. Like, that as shit was I, on Twitter. I mean, I'll say it, this. As soon as I saw the lightsaber, I knew who it was. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> I didn't I mean, need to see him. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> but I mean, that. But one of the thing, the smart things they do with that is it's in black and white at first. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it's they, the, they knew that fans would yeah. know, like, right away, like, who <laughs> it was. And as soon as they showed the color. I have a friend who worked on that episode, and he had to sign a 132-page NDA. (laughs) I believe it. (laughs) So you're actually, Matt, you may be right. I mean, that may be what's delaying it. They're like, you know, Mandalorian is, I mean, I I would argue Mandalorian has become bigger maybe than Disney ever thought it would become. Yeah, I mean, I think they expected it to launch the service. They they used it pretty much to be the first big thing on the service, but I don't think they, look, the Baby Yoda thing, uh, exploding into pop culture superstardom was something that I think they might have thought would ha- maybe happen, but nobody could have predicted the the level yeah. it happened at. Like John Favreau 
has got to be a Disney god to those executives for the rest of his life. Like yeah. that, the everything in that just worked. Um, right down to his refusal to let them make any merchandise of him before he was revealed in the first episode of the series. Right. Um, which, if you, like, my hat is off to John Favreau for convincing Disney to hold off on merchandise. That is one yeah. of the most impressive <laughs> things I've ever seen anyone do in creative work. It doesn't happen very um, often. And now you'll notice, like, for season two, they had Funko Pops of specific scenes ready to go the day after the episodes would air. Yep. Like, it was, it was all like now they're, they're in with it. But, like, um, uh, it would not be against common sense to put some Mandalorian content in that or to even, you know, be doing some tie-in DLC or something with the Boba Fett show they're doing yep. uh, later th- at the end of the year or next year. Um, there's a lot in there you could play with, but it is it, you're short now. At that point, I feel like you're kind of hitting, you're hitting up something I never thought you'd hit with a Lego game, which is feature creep. <laughs> like, like just but put imagine being able to put the Mandalorian on that box art. You know, it's huge. Like my nephews yeah. love the freaking man. Like Christmas, all I bought was Mandalorian stuff. That's it. Every nephew that I have, and I have four, Mandalorian, all of them. Mm-hmm. That's all they wanted. My the, my sisters and my brothers were like, anything Mandalorian, they're going to love it. And sure enough, they oh, yeah. did. When on Christmas Day, they were all calling me, ah, thank you, Uncle Shane. I love my baby Yoda, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, it, I would not well, surprise I mean, the, me at all. All of Twitter and Facebook on Christmas last year was just people showing their baby Yodas. Of whatever baby Yoda. Of whatever they version got. they got. Yeah, like, it was, yeah it's, it's constant. It, it was ubiquitous so getting that in there somehow is probably not a bad idea um, and you're saying december is when season three is supposed to launch the rumor is that december or at least december i think is when boba fett's supposed to be up and i heard something about how like at least a few of them might all launch simultaneously and sort Ooh. of alternate weeks wow. so like one week you get mandalorian then you get boba fett then you get ahsoka oh that would cr- I mean like one episode every three weeks of the mandalorian basically oh that's brutal that's brutal. It's rough. That would be. That would not be a but good. We'll idea, see. They might think. do. They might do blocks. They might do other things. So, so by the end of 2021 and moving into early 2022, the idea is that every week there will be a new Star Wars thing and a new Marvel thing. That makes sense. Yeah. So you will get an, every week there will be a reason to tune in to see a new episode of a Star Wars show, and every week there'll be a reason to tune in to see a new episode of a Marvel show. So um, and they're getting there. I mean, you're already seeing that. Like the you know uh, Falcon Winter Soldier is going to go up. You know, three more weeks. And then uh, there's going to be going to be a week off, and then we get uh, the Bad Batch starts on May 4th, and then Bad Batch is going to go uh, up until June, and then we're going to get Loki, uh, and then Loki's going to take you through the rest of the halfway through the summer, and you get what's you know what if, and then that's going to take you through there. It's just going to keep you know flowing from one to the next, and eventually they will have more Star Wars content ready, and they can kind of run simultaneously, yeah. and that will be what Disney Plus is, just constant Star Wars and constant Marvel and constant Disney, whatever else Disney's doing. That's a winning business plan. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think there's honest. a problem there. I think that's <laughs> that's probably going to work out just fine for them. So, Matt, do you think there's a chance that uh, Lego Skywalker may not make it this year? Not impossible It is one of point. your te- one of your uh, games on your fantasy team. Yeah, I thought that one was safe, but we, we you know, we might be, uh, we might be running into some ridiculous shit here. <laughs> and I already lost, I lost my alternate, one of my alternates too. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that in a second, actually. Um, 
I don't know. I find it hard list. to believe. I got a lot of stuff losing ground here. You do, actually. <laughs> this whole topic is that is like your fantasy team, pretty much. And I thought you were set. I was like, oh, he's gonna get all his teams, all his all his games on his team. To- yeah. I mean, I still might, but like my alternate's gone, so I better hope only one thing drops out. Yep. Um. So it's it's kind of treading on thin water, I think, to come out in 2021. Although I would still say I would be shocked if it doesn't. Um. The game's yeah. been in development for so long. It's a Lego game. Like, I don't know. It, it seems crazy. Yeah. I think it and is. And like for the COVID thing reason. is, it's hard to kind of fully blame the COVID thing on Lego Skywalker Saga because, like, that thing was real far along, even in 2019. Yes. Like, it, I just don't get it. it like, I just think it has to be strategic. I just think it does. Um, mix of both, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Like, maybe that maybe that team in particular had a lot of trouble adjusting to work from home. Like, we don't know what happened. Yeah. Um. But like the implication at E3 2019 was that game was coming later that year. Um, not that they announced anything, but it was sort of that sort of oh, this thing's Two years later. That's because they like do. It's like a half hour presentation for the thing. Yeah, I mean, they show was, a Lego game and it comes out that year. That's how yeah. it works. That's how it's always worked. So I would be really shocked if it doesn't come out this year. I think you're safe with your fantasy team on that one. Um, next up. Back for Blood has been delayed, yeah. but it has not been delayed out of the year. As of right now, it's holding on by its fingernails at October 12th. It's hard to see this one not making it this year either. It's Yeah, if this one didn't make it this year, I think it would be a strategic move. Also on your would, fantasy to, team, I would add. It is on the fantasy. It would be I think this to move if you move this out of the calendar year, I think it's a strategic strategic move to get away from the bigger guns. I mean, the good I news, think you I think you could argue that this is a bigger gun. Yes, so, yeah. we'll see. I mean, you got Resident Evil Village, which is coming out pretty soon, not far from now. In yeah, next um, month. Like next month. Um, and then, I mean, we're probably not going to get another State of Decay this year, I'm guessing. Um, no. What else do you have, zombie-wise, that could sort of bump up against um, it? I mean, there's that other Resident Evil thing. Uh, welcome to Raccoon City. No, that's just a movie, though. Was that a movie? Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, it seems like it should have a pretty clear path to zombiedom towards the end of the year. Um, I can't see too many games that would maybe make them strategically push it out. I don't think so. Um, I mean, I'm sure there'll be more zombie things here and there, but nothing high profile enough that like Back for Blood would have to be afraid of them. It's also such a different game. It's a, you know, a Left for Dead clone. Yeah. So... You know, it's not like it's a single player action adventure or something like that. That starts. Yeah, I mean, as long, if, if they can get it done, and if they're still doing the beta or beta thing in the summer, I mean, it seems like it's pretty much on track. Um, Vincent says, "Remember, the alien left for dead like was right on top of it." That's right. That, mm. We just talked about that on Game Face a few episodes ago. Uh, the aliens um, left for dead clone as well. But, yeah, I don't know if I would be worried about that if I were them, but I guess maybe safe, better safe than sorry. Yeah. Um, there, it seems like in October is... you're up against Halloween, like that kind of is thematically appropriate. Like you, you can make me make an argument. For some reason, there's I feel like there's some zombie game that's right on the tip of my tongue that is coming out closer to October. Maybe someone in chat mm-hmm. will remember it. I thought there was one, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, so I think that's pretty safe for this year. I think you're safe with that game on your team for this year. But here's the one you were talking about that uh, is completely out of 2021, and that is Gotham Knights. Yep. It like, really is extraordinary. Um, will WB so by, ever release another video game? Like I don't know. So like this, when this comes, assuming this does come out in 2022, um, that'll be seven years since Gotham Knight. Seven years. <laughs> and, and let's just note that 
Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, Arkham Origins, and Arkham Knight all came out in the span of six years. Yep. It is astounding to me how they had this, you know, th- that series. Ball. I mean, I didn't like Arkham Knight, but like that Arkham, the Arkham series was on fire and yeah, it, I mean, they just let it go. To put it in perspective, Arkham Knight came out basically as Sifted launched. Yeah. It is. We've only done a couple like video evals. That is one of them that we created. Yeah. as like an example for people to see what we would do. Yeah. Like I think you and Marcus talked about that we did. on the show. Yeah, I, I think did. that was before I even started doing this. Yes. Like, it was, you were our TriCaster operator. Yeah. Um, when we talked about, Arkham Knight. And here we are, all these years later, still no new game. And this isn't really a true kind of successor follow up. I mean, it no, is, I mean, it but seems it to isn't. be, yeah, it's, I mean, it's Bat Family. It's not Batman. Like, Batman is gone. Uh, and so you're playing as the, as the kids, basically. Um, which is fine. Like they, those, th- those characters have, have seen a big resurgence, like the Titans and, and young justice stuff has really made those characters popular. Um, so I see it, but at the same time, it's like, mm, maybe, maybe people just want to be Batman. Uh, and then you got Roxanne doing suicide squad. Yeah. What happens to that? Um, now? I mean, I assume that's also next year or at least tentatively planned for next year. The one thing I will say about suicide squad is you really, I think you really need that to, to, to hit in a timely manner because I think that James Gunn suicide squad movie is going to explode. Yeah. The trailer um, so far have looked pretty good. I'll, trailers I'll look say. pretty good. Also keep in mind. So um, just as a point of comparison here in terms of like, you know, critical mass uh, uh you know the snyder cut and um godzilla versus kong both released trailers on youtube in february and in the space of a month the snyder cut got 23 million views and godzilla versus kong got 70 million views wow. uh the, the the james gunn suicide squad trailer got 151 million views in a week Whoa. this this thing's gonna blow up wow and there is a non-zero chance that this becomes essentially the foundation of the, what the DC cinematic universe is moving forward. You could maybe turn this thing into the Harley verse. Like there's a, there's a non-zero chance of that. But what I'm saying is you are really going to want to have a video game with what is, you know, that team with King shark and, and Deadshot and all, you know, as your suicide squad team ready to go and release. Cause there's, you know, you gotta want, you want to, you're going to want to strike when that iron is hot. So wait, when does the um, movie come out, Matt? This summer, this summer, yeah, so go, so Suicide well, Squad is obviously it. not WB. Yeah, they, what are they doing? <laughs> they somewhat missed it. I mean, I think it'll still be popular a year later. You can get it out next I year, mean, and sure, it's not ideal. It's not ideal, Definitely but I think it's not you know, ideal. What is WB? And look, Rocksteady has had plenty of time to get this game done for this summer. Plenty of time to get this game done. I mean, they were the ones who made the last Batman game like six years ago. Yeah, I think they did something else between that and this. They did that they, they had killed. a can or something like. Yeah. Wow, I'm surprised that a studio like Rocksteady would work on something that long that they'd have to completely just drop. Yeah, I'm not sure what. I mean, the rumor is that it was Superman. Uh, I don't, I don't know for sure, one way or the other. Wow. Super, I mean, Superman or Justice League would make sense. So taking a shot of that. Uh, and then somehow you end. I mean, look, the Suicide Squad concept that they're going with of like you know having to use this team of guy of people to like kill the Justice League. Like, I think that's kind of a cool idea. Um, but like, you got to get it out. You got to do it. Like, and I, and I think they're going to get lucky. I think that I think this Suicide Squad is going to have kind of Guardians of the Galaxy level popularity. 
Um, I think King Shark is going to be a meme. I think it's he already is. Probably, I, was say, I think he probably is already. Um, <laughs> but like, uh, I think you kind of you do have. They've gotten lucky, and I think that this Suicide Squad team from the James Gunn movie is going to have legs in terms of popularity and being able to see it and be like, oh, I want to play that, even like a year later. Um, because there's going to be sequels, like you said, and yeah, there will be more. By that time, uh, maybe they can time it with it coming to HBO Max or whatever they end up. Well, doing. it'll come before that, but like, you know, one thing you could do is like put out like a like a ex- little extended edition Blu-ray or something right. around the same time, like just something to sort of pop it back up, or maybe you announce the sequel. Uh, right, and the first trailer for the sequel film, a little teaser sort yeah. of, you know, even if it's just a teaser of the logo or yeah. something to to indicate that James Gunn's coming back to do another one. Um, cause that'll also be around the same time guardians three comes out. Um, I'll say this yeah, after it, seeing I, the movie trailer, I'm surprised how tame the trailer is for the game. Mm, well, I mean, it's a red band trailer. So yeah. Um, I would expect the next media we see of the game to be a little more extreme, yep. like just in response to those trailers, you know, that yeah. trailer and how popular that trailer is. Uh, it would make sense to show King shark eating people or something. <laughs> Um, also like if you, if you, character, (laughs) he is, but also if you liked the trailer, um, and are interested in, in what you saw in that trailer, go watch the Harley Quinn animated series on HBO max. Oh yeah. Um, Harley Quinn has, has an animated two seasons. I think season three is coming later this year. Um, it is hilarious. It is one of the best Batman related things made in the last 10 years. Um, it's, it's focuses on her, but it's, it's like a, it's like a, it's a comedy, and it's focused on her and a lot of the villains. Batman is more of like an incidental character in it. It is a little try hard in that it is R-rated and like very violent, but it's great. And it has a lot of good King Shark stuff in it. The chat did figure out the game I was thinking of, Dying Light 2. Thank you, guys. Oh, Bunk- yeah. Like, I, God, I don't think of that as a this year game. It's looking like it might be now, though. They do seem to be trying to position it as such, yeah. Yeah, so that was that is the game I was thinking about. Good job, chat. I knew you could do it. Um, so you would be lucky for your team. Yeah, it would be. So you think that I wouldn't be surprised if like Suicide Squad comes out next year and Gotham Knights doesn't come out till like the year after. I mean, there's a yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm certainly not putting Gotham Knights on my team again. Yeah. Don't trust it. Yep. Which is funny because I mean, we what we saw played last year seemed pretty far along. It sure but did. Clearly, there's something up. Yep. Um. So anyway, those are. The Batman games. Who knows what's going on with either one of them at this point? I wouldn't if be surprised. If you want to call them Batman games, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Suicide Squad. Why do you have to play Batman again? Just cl- just clone Arkham. Like, just <laughs> do another fucking Arkham game. It like, makes what no is- sense, Matt. I have no idea what's going on. It-, it doesn't add up to me at all. WB. I don't know how they're still in business. I mean, they just don't release video games. Mortal Kombat. Yeah. I mean, That's the leg- it. is it the Lego game WB as well? Yes. Yeah. 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 All of them. <laughs> All of these games we've talked about are WB games so far. Well, in the Back for Blood, I don't think is, right? Or is it? I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. I want to check it up with that, too, maybe. Um, and then there was a couple smaller ones that have also been delayed. Um, obviously, we talked about the It Cyber- is Warner Brothers. It is. <laughs> Back oh for Blood is published God. by Warner Brothers. Oh, wow. Maybe they got um, Back for Blood because they were like, damn, we can't release a game. Maybe this one will come out. And then it got delayed. <laughs> Um, and, and they then, and they published Cyberpunk. And they published Cyberpunk <laughs> as well. And the multiplayer is delayed for that. Um, and then a couple smaller uh, ones. Um, the new Need for Speed has been delayed because apparently they want the Need for Speed team, Criterion, to start working on 
Uh, Battlefield 6. Mm. I don't know if they're handling the vehicle stuff in Battlefield, but... I would figure, yeah. But they want to start working on that. I mean... I don't know if anyone's going to shed any tears over uh, the need for speed being delayed. No, I, I have very little need after for need, need for speed. <laughs> after need for speed heat, which was just abysmal. Um, I don't think anyone's waiting with bated breath for the next need for speed, but it's also been delayed. <laughs> it's, um, just, it's, it's like on the new need for speed. Oh, who cares? Yeah, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call the next one. Need for speed. Who cares? Yep. Um, and then another game got a slight delay, and that is Guilty Gear Strive. They had a beta f- like for that, and now they're delaying it because the netcode's trash. Like, they're saying it's going to come now on June 11th, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's delayed. Can they fix their netcode in, like, a month and a half? I don't know. I mean, it might just be some tweaking on like, the rollback stuff, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that game— Hey, better to do that than launch it broken. Agreed. Like, Agreed. Yeah, I mean, after we you just never, talked about... You never get that chance back with a fighting game. Yeah. This game is just flipping gorgeous, man. Watching the oh, trailer it again, it's really stunning. Um, I would like to play it. I hope the next time they do... If they do do another beta, another network test, I hope they open it up to everybody so everyone can play it yeah. and get hyped I mean, you, the you, They did open up the last one to everybody after a week, I think. I No, I tried, Matt. They would never let me play it. I kept going back and looking, and it was only for pre-orders. Like they it was never, only for pre-orders for the first weekend, and then they opened it up. I could never. I didn't get. Download I didn't get. I didn't actually get around to playing it, but I think they. I think they opened that up eventually. I could never download it. I tried. Uh, maybe I didn't go in the last couple of days or something, but I kept trying to get it. So, Matt, do you think this is the end of this? All these delays. End of what? Like more delays being announced. No, I think there'd probably be some more delays. I mean, we're still in the pandemic. Do you think that they figured out how to do it now, and that like? Think about it. Like next year, because we're still in this, and these mm-hmm. delays that we're getting now are products of what happened in 2020. So yeah, I think we're just gonna get like a chain reaction, and like I wouldn't expect the full you know chain reaction of, of delays to be done for another year. Frankly, that's what like I'm saying. Some of, the, some of this stuff is gonna have an impact that really does take you know eight to nine months. Yeah, I mean, if, if we were talking about you know Suicide Squad and Gotham Knights, mm-hmm. they're still in development right now. Like, we could get to next year and they could delay them yeah. again. And, of course, there's probably a bunch of stuff that, like, we don't even know about. Right. That was planned you know, plan to be announced this year or maybe even released this year and, like, isn't going to be. And we're just never going to hear about it until, you know, the time is right. It's getting bad, Matt. It's I mean, going to be an interest. It's going to be interesting to see what the second half of the year's release schedule looks like. Like, exactly. I mean, you have these new consoles that need games. And... People are you got old to, consoles that need games. Yeah, like, yeah I mean, people are already games. starting to get a little salty over PS5 and Series X, like a lack of new games, or at the very least exclusive games that only hey, run. a PS4 version of Republic Commando dropped today. <laughs> I mean, wrong? but on. that's what I'm talking about. That's what we're looking at. Like, the Switch just seems like it's going to be... a 15-year-old Star Wars game? What's wrong with <laughs> you? Come on. I mean, I talked about Dossier for April earlier. It's not terrible. <laughs> like, I managed to no, no. managed to find 10 games that are worth but the, buying But as the, the chain month. reaction keeps building up, you're going to start to wonder what September looks like, right? Yeah. Exactly, like in October and November. At least we got, at least we got Battlefield Six. Yeah, maybe. Like, who knows if I, I mean, might have they to had play to pull, multiplayer games. Dude, at this they had rate, to pull Criterion over to try to finish it. So, do we? Like, I don't mm-hmm. know, man. It could get bad. Like, this is already worse than I thought because, again, it was kind of a mirage at first. Like, you're right. It seemed like the games that were in the polished stage got polished and got released, and now everything else that was in the thick of development is getting delayed. And mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It could start getting real dirty here, especially if this stuff starts carrying over into 2022 and we're getting delays there yeah, as well. I, th- I think you could see a real bad kind of six to seven month drought where everything kind of lost 
traction because of the switch to work from home. Yeah, some of these and, people uh, who are in the chat being like, I don't want another game as a service. I'm done with these loot shooters. You might want to reconsider. Because <laughs> <laughs> those are the games that you're going to be able to play. Uh, yeah, you might hit a point where it's, I mean, they're not loot shooters, but it's just like, it's like, yeah, you might hit a point in September where it's like Outriders looking real good. Exactly. Right now. Yep. <laughs> I put out that new batch of DLC and you're like, hmm. Yeah, you're, you're going to end up in like a must see TV thing where it's like, it's new to you. Yeah. I mean, really, what we're looking at <laughs> here is Domino's. Yeah. We're looking at Domino's and the Domino's haven't stopped being set up yet because we're still yeah. in a pandemic. People still cannot go and work in an office yet. And that's probably not going to happen until like, September. Let's be honest. June fifteenth. Like my wife works for a huge company, and they're right now. Uh, their tentative plan is September first for everybody to start going back to the office again. Well, that might change because today they announced that California is wide open on June fifteenth. What do you mean wide open? As in the governor announced all restrictions, uh, mask mandate still in place, but everything can open fully on June fifteenth. Wow, that means I may be able to go to see that New Order concert that I bought tickets for like two years ago. <laughs> they've re they rescheduled it for this year or last year, and now they've rescheduled it again for this year, and it's in October. So maybe those tickets I bought two years ago, I'll finally be able to use them to go to see New yeah, Order. Yeah, I think live. October concerts will probably happen. It's um, at the Hollywood Bowl as well, which is outdoors. So outdoors, that's probably yeah, fine. My hopes are pretty high that that'll happen. But but her It's funny, company, I, I know a lot of people that have uh, tickets for uh, some kind of outdoor concert in October. I can't tell you how many times they tease me with, like, you can return them. And I'm like, man. And it, they were a lot. Actually, like, I think I think several of them are the same New Order concert. Oh, probably so. Yeah. And they've, they've offered to, like, refund. And I'm like, you know what? It would really be awesome to go see New Order when the pandemic ends. Like mm -hmm. that would, to me, from myself, would just be perfect. So I've held on to them. Hopefully, it happens. But she works for a company that has two hundred and sixty thousand employees worldwide. Gigantic. It's and, a lot of people in one building. Uh, well, they're all over the world, <laughs> but they're not going back until September first. And I tend mm -hmm. to think that's probably when most businesses are going to be like. We're in the clear as far as liability is concerned, because that's what they're afraid of. They're like, well, the we, other thing is like, bring everybody back, and one person. There's comes some to work. liability, but there's also like, you're not gonna. You know, there's a lot of companies that aren't gonna demand everybody come back to work until the kids go back to school. Right. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, that's true. Some of that is probably the same timing yeah. there. So when summer's over and all that stuff. So anyway, um, things aren't looking good. People is what we're getting at. Like this could be something that is dominoed until like 2022. Till everything really starts getting back to normal, and in all honesty, we can start relying and trusting release, relying on and trusting release dates. I don't trust any of them now. None. After this stuff, this all happened in like the last like two weeks. Like as far as I'm concerned, our fantasy league, all bets are off at this point. Like I, I yeah, think there's no any, way to know. I think any game could just fall out. It's going to be a wild card <laughs> to see what happens. Um, it's crazy, but it's true. Uh, so anyway, that's the latest. Those are all the big delays. I think I'm just just set your expectations to stun because I think we could get more stuff like this coming. I wouldn't even be surprised if like Halo Infinite gets delayed again. Oh yeah, I mean Halo. I mean even without the pandemic, I, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Uh, all right, let's move on. We're going to talk briefly about uh, Remedy, who just released Game of the Year candidate, legitimate Game of the Year candidate, Control. Um, and Matt, Control has become one of those games that has seemed to become more popular the longer it's been, like, on the market. Because mm -hmm. I'll just be honest with you. Like, before it came out, nobody cared. If there was no 
pre-launch hype for it. Like, we nope. talked about it on Game Face. Like, trailers for it on Sifted were not doing well. They weren't doing a lot of traffic. Um, but- I mean, I even talked at the time about how I didn't care about it. Like, yeah. there's nothing in the trailers that made me care about it. And I played it. And I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah. Like, and- it, it was not. It was one of those games that kind of like Outriders. I didn't believe it until I got it in my hands on it. Yep. And, um... The, but the funny thing is, like, Outriders is more because I've just played this, this kind of game before, and, like, it wasn't until I got my hands on how the gameplay functioned that it changed my mind. Uh, Control should have been right up my alley. It's kind of an X-Files, SCP-inspired, yeah. like, weird conspiracy horror X-Men superpower shooter thing. And I'm just like, every I like everything in that sentence. But, like, Control's marketing just didn't make me interested in it. Nobody cared about it until it started winning Game of the Year awards. That's yeah. pretty much what happened. Um, and now people, it's funny. Like, I can go look at our data. I can look at, like, Control, like, when we put up, like, its launch trailer and its first gameplay trailer and its story trailer, and I can see how many views those did on Sifted. And then I can go and look at all the content for Control that we've curated to Sifted since it launched, and the traffic is literally, like, triple. It's I've never seen anything like it, Matt. It's really <laughs> bizarre. And I will say this, Control was the benefactor of releasing in a year that didn't have a lot of strong competition as far as Game of the Year yeah. is concerned. I mean, it's also but, the benef- benef- it had the benefit of very strong word of mouth. Yes, it did. Um, so anyway, Control, I don't think it's done all that well financially for Remedy, but it does have another IP that people have been clamoring for for a long time, and that is Alan Wake. And we've had, I think we've talked about Alan Wake 2 at least twice on Game Face throughout the years. Um, mm-hmm. because these rumors would surface, and one of them was back in 2019 when Remedy bought the IP back from Microsoft. And I think that pe- the rumor mill started churning then that, oh, here comes Alan Wake 2, finally we're going to get a sequel to Alan Wake, blah, 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 because now they own it again. And then it went silent for two years, and now here it comes again. Jeff Grubb from VentureBeat, a guy who's breaking a lot of stories and generally has been very reliable, is saying that Alan Wake 2 is in fact on the way with the help of Epic games which let's be honest epic hasn't really done a whole lot of publishing in fact it's just been kind of cashing checks off of Fortnite for a long time now and unreal engine i would add um, if you watch the latest pactor factor it's all about um, epic games and what they're going to be doing in the future what's up with their ipo very interesting check it out if you haven't already um but alan wake 2 is kind of that one ip that remedy has because you know I don't know if there are other IPs. I don't know what it is. It, they just don't have appeal for whatever reason. They don't appeal to a wide group of people. But Alan Wake, for whatever reason, seems to have broken through that. And it seems to be an no, IP. No, that- I, th- I, think, I think Alan Wake is more a small group of loud people. Um, we, I'm, fine, you know, I'm fine with that. I liked Alan Wake. But uh, I'm, I'm not sure I, I'd characterize it as, as a breakout hit or anything. Um, it's probably the the most successful thing they have to lean on right now. Um, I mean, since they don't have Max Payne anymore. Yeah. But, uh, and I don't even yeah. know if Max Payne has all that much cachet anymore, to be honest with you. Probably not. Uh, I mean, it did at the time. Not anymore. I mean, the last one that came out, the what what I remember most about that is Rockstar calling me in and bitching me out about the review we gave it at Game Trailers. Like <laughs> I don't remember much about the game. I remember dealing with Rockstar after we gave it like a seven point eight or something like that. They lost mm-hmm. their shit. Like and I had to deal with it all. It was a nightmare. And that's what I remember about it. I don't remember much about the game. The game itself I felt was really forgettable. Um at least Alan Wake has some kind of a unique selling proposition to it. It has a hook. Which one which Max Payne was that? 
the one that released for PS3 and Xbox 360. Three? Right. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't Remedy, so. Right. But I'm just saying that's what I remember about that IP. I don't think it has any cachet anymore. Yeah. I of- mean, I remember Max Payne 2 because it was one of the first things we did as an X-Play review. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of those things where, like, you know, we, we played the game in the game lab and we were like, wow, I wish we could call out some of these cool kills we did and, like, mm-hmm. just play with sort of how the physics work. And, like, we couldn't do that in the extended play format because it had to be dry and factual yep. and we weren't allowed to have any fun. And, uh, and Max Payne 2 is one of the earliest games that we really like you know loosened up the format for um but like that is obviously not really a, a memory related to the game it's related to the life experience that was occurring while the game came out yep. um similarly max Payne was a big deal when uh, i started doing stuff for tech tv and like i did some game capture overnight while i was in the oh, game the lab with my friend yeah. and did some game capture and the, the producers were like where did this game capture come from it's really good it's better than usual. And there's, oh, this guy. So like, that was one of my ways. And so Max Payne kind of got, I got my foot in the door to some degree uh, for what became my career. But uh, yeah, the, the, the game, I think, doesn't have a lot of mainstream pull anymore. Uh, and even if it did, Rockstar owns it. So there's nothing that Remedy can do about it. Um, and the way it's sold, I don't see Rockstar doing another one for a long time. Probably not. Uh, if ever. Then, then again, Rockstar not doing something for a long time is pretty much the business model. So yeah. Who knows, uh, Alan? But Alan Wake, like you, I mean, I think there's potential there, uh, and certainly, like they did, you know, the second DLC for Control was Alan Wake related. Mm-hmm. Um, it would make sense to have them come and kind of follow that up because, uh, while I don't think it's a massive like breakout hit idea, um, you've got built-in buzz with Alan Wake. At least Twitter will talk about it because it's Alan Wake, and people kind of you know this. We've Somebody seen just wrote that. If a, Mm-hmm. Ben Link wrote, Alan Wake has one of the best stories ever. So there are some people who are huge fans for sure. Certainly, there are big fans. I mean, there's big fans of everything. Um, but uh, we've, we've already seen in recent times that a loud group of enthusiastic people can get a company to do something rather weird, uh, whether it makes financial sense or not. And so Alan Wake might fall into that category here. Yep. Um, the, really, the biggest story, and the reason I wanted to talk about this, though, is because of Epic's involvement. And Jeff Grubb says that one of the big reasons Epic wants to start getting to publishing is because it's tired of getting raked over the coals for Epic Game Store exclusives. Um, it doesn't like the negative publicity that it's got for that program. Um, it doesn't like that people are complaining about getting free games, which I don't know. It's kind of hard to understand. But um, they said that they want to start publishing some games so that when they do have those exclusive games on their service, people really don't have any room to complain about it or bitch. Um, mm-hmm. It seems like a weird way to run your business. And Epic, as Pac will tell you all day, every day, has done an excellent job running its business, fiscally at least. Um, do you think this is a smart move by Epic Games, particularly particularly if you think that they it might possibly be preparing itself for an IPO? I mean, I I would say that Epic has so much money, it doesn't matter what they do. Like, if, if you want to try publishing, go ahead. If you want to try digging swimming pools, go ahead. Like, <laughs> like whatever. Like, you're making more money than you know what to do with. You might as well try some shit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you if you think about from the IPO perspective, and you're looking at the prognosis of the company over the long term, if they've made this big move into publishing recently do you think that's going to encourage people to support the ipo more than they would have if they had if epic hadn't hard to say i mean it depends i mean you kind of have to publish some stuff first 
Like, you think Alan yeah. Wake? Well, let's say it's Alan Wake too. <laughs> I don't know. Like you know, at the very least, I hope the Alan Wake fans are ready to to buy Bobble it on Epic Game Store. <laughs> I mean, they're going to give it away for free is what it sounds like. The idea is to build these games to give away on their service to get more people to Epic Game Store. Because let's be honest, Epic Game Store is a long-term play for Epic, other than Unreal. Mm -hmm. Um, Fortnite's eventually going to go away. It's not going to last forever. Few games ever last forever, and I don't don't see Fortnite being one of them. So it's trying to build its business for the future. Yeah, I think you're you're kind of waiting for that generation to go to college, and that might be the uh, end of that. Right, and then it's done. So, I mean, you can already see that it's fallen off a great deal just in the last, like, year and a half or two years, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I can tell traffic on Sifted and another number of other metrics you can see that it's not as popular as it once was. Um, and so Epic needs sort of this long-term play, and I believe that's Epic Game Store. I think it wants to eat Valve's lunch, Steam's lunch. And the way it knows it to do it is to have exclusive mm-hmm. content to get people there. It's worked so far very, very well. And um, if you have your own exclusive games on there, I mean, maybe they're building their own take on Game Pass where they can have all their stuff day and date. Um, and in that, and if that's the case, then I think this is a smart strategy to sort of build a case for an IPO. Could be. Like, I don't know. Uh, I don't think taking on Steam is tremendously smart, but they seem to have uh, done pretty well so far. Made it made a chip or two. Um, I don't really understand the the conflict with the Epic Game Store. Like, I get that like people think it's sleazy that like oh you pay for, but that's just how everything works. Um, Epic is maybe worse at hiding it, I guess. Um, I don't know. Like, it just the, the 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 reticence I see some of my friends had to have to like just even having the Epic Game Store on their computer is bizarre. To I know. Me. If, I mean, there's been a lot of people on Sifted that have rebelled against Epic Game Store like hardcore. You see them in the comments anytime there's a story about Epic's Game Store. Even some of the, the articles that are like, hey, here's this free awesome game from Epic Game Store. <laughs> people will get in there and they'll start complaining about it. I don't get it either, Matt. It's it's pretty bizarre. Eth Demon actually has a question in chat. He asks, why do you think, and it's a good one, why do you think Remedy seems to be able to repeatedly get publishers to fund games over and over again regardless of review scores? I don't even know if it's regardless of review scores. It's regardless of sales of their games. Like, Control has not sold especially well. It was not a top seller the year that it came out or the year after it came out. And it hasn't proven to really have legs, so to speak. Um, that's a good question. I think because their games are good. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe publishers are like, we're, we're the ones who are going to figure out this time how to sell one of Remedy's great games. Because their games are good. They just don't sell. And th- this time they were with, like, 505. I mean, to answer yeah, his control question, is 505. I mean, to answer his question, like, there hasn't been a big publisher willing to work with them. 505 no. is an indie publisher, and that's the best. Yeah, control is like 505's first move into like a what, what could be considered like a triple A kind of game. Yep. And so uh, didn't they, work out. They have struggled well. recently to find big publishers, but Epic, you know, again, it would be their first kind of triple A published game. Yeah. So. They keep finding I mean, outside these, of their own. Yeah, exactly. They keep they keep seem to find these publishers that are looking for a project just like what they do. Um, mm-hmm. find, they keep finding matches made in heaven somehow. I don't know how long that continues, but uh, Epic, you know, they have deep pockets. They're not concerned about how many they're going to ultimately sell. So uh, it might work out well for them. And maybe 505 was happy with control sales because it's not used to selling that many package games anyway. So it was kind of a foot in the door. And look, their first package game... Ended up being a game of the year candidate, so yeah. that's not a bad. And they had a Game Pass deal at some point, so they probably made something back yeah. on that. Yep. So, 
Um, I'm excited about this. Look, regardless of the finances of it and how much money Remedy makes or how much money Epic makes, the bottom line is it looks like we're going to get Alan Wake 2 finally, and I'm all for that. I really enjoyed this game. It's off-kilter. It's different. Um, We need more of that in the industry right now. We need more risk-taking, not less. So uh, I'm excited about it. I think it should be good for everybody. Um, It'll be interesting to see if they do work out something for Game Pass because this really is kind of an Xbox franchise, let's be honest. It was an Xbox exclusive. Microsoft owned the IP for quite a while before they finally sold it. And uh, I think probably Xbox fans, people who have bought an Xbox Series console, would expect it to come there. And Epic's pretty good about that kind of stuff. Like, I could see it maybe throwing Xbox a bone and being like, okay, it'll be exclusive to our store on PC, but you can have it for Xbox Game Pass. And then maybe, you know, a year later it comes to PS5 and everything else. But, um, yeah, making moves. Epic making moves. I don't know if being a, becoming a more traditional publisher is the right move financially, but it, if it gets me games that I want to play, I don't really care, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. So... There you go. That's the latest on Alan Wake 2 and Epic Games. Up next, we're going to talk about E3 2021. Um, Let's see. Where do we start with E3 2021? Matt, do we start with the rumors that were floating around about a week ago that E3 was going to be behind a paywall? Yeah. um, (laughs) Did that... that (laughs) Turn out to be anything, or uh, I think it turned out that the rumors were legit, but yeah. I think it was also another case like Microsoft increasing the price of uh, Xbox Live, and in a matter of hours, the ESA figured out that that was not going to fly, and um, they had to make an announcement that in fact E3 was not going to be behind a paywall. So what a bunch of greedy little fuckers that company, <laughs> that organization is. They're I mean, just look, amazing. I, I don't know if I can call them greedy though, Matt, because. I can. They've basically tried to turn, you know, E3 into a into a attend for fun for for obscene amounts of money event. Like you know, now, and now they thought they could get away with doing this. It's just. But this is their only way that they really make money. Is that maybe, greedy? Then you're trying to protect to a, the only means of generating revenue. Uh, well, they could maybe do something to actually function as a lobby group that protects the game the game industry in some way. They've failed at that, as far as I'm concerned. My my solution would be to come up with a different agency because the ESA has lost its its point at this point. Well, I mean, if you talk to Pac, he's going to tell you that they do all the lobbying and blah blah blah. And yeah, 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 but for all the good it does. Well, I don't know. I think for the most part, politics and the government have left the gaming industry alone. Um, I can't remember the last big story politically for for games. And, you know, there's been some stuff going on that maybe could have drawn the eyes of politicians that hasn't. Um, the loot yeah. box stuff is well, probably then, the biggest thing. Yeah, and that didn't it hasn't you know, been too bad. It, the government's pretty much kept its fingers out of it. I think the ESA is doing an okay job with that part of its role. But I would agree with you that it is completely dropping the ball on E3. Just, just that it would even leak that the ESA was thinking about putting E3 behind a paywall shows you where their thinking is on the show is completely misguided right now. It's Imagine if they had gone through with that, Matt. Yeah. Well, like, <laughs> why would any publisher think that's a good idea? Like, this is our big, like, show everybody our stuff thing. Why do, you, why do we want that to be seen by fewer people? Well, Matt, it goes back to the story. For only financially benefiting the ESA, which all these publishers already give donations to every year. Well, Matt, it goes back to the story I've told a couple times where back when uh, Game Trailers was blowing up, we had a meeting with a certain publisher who floated the idea of Game Trailers starting to pay them for their trailers. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they felt that GT was generating so much ad revenue from its trailers that we should kick back some cash to the publisher because of that. And, you know, it, it took, I think, <laughs> about five minutes of discussion afterwards for them to realize that that was a terrible idea that probably should have never been floated publicly to a, a games outlet that does editorial. I think they realized they made a huge mistake real fast in that case. But never underestimate the power of greed, Matt. I mean, it will make people do and say really, really stupid things. Um, so, you know, I'm not all that surprised that the idea was floated out there, and I'm not that surprised that it ended up getting leaked out either that they were thinking about doing it. And I'm also not surprised that whenever the, the backlash was extreme, which I'm not surprised about either, that the ESA decided to change its mind. And now, today, the ESA put out its first official press release about E3 2021, and in the very first sentence of the press release, it says, free. <laughs> in fact, I'll just read you the exact quote that I got today in my inbox from the ESA and E3. Um, For more than two decades, E3 has been the premier venue to showcase the best that the video game industry has to offer while uniting the world through games. Quote, (laughs) We are evolving this year's E3 into a more inclusive event, whatever that means, but we'll still look to excite the fans with major reveals and insider opportunities to make this event the indispensable center stage for video games. What does that mean? A more inclusive event... We're still trying to excite the fans. Why would, why would an inclusive event not excite the fans? What does that mean, Matt? I don't know. Let me read that again. We're evolving this year's E3 into a more inclusive event, but we'll still look to excite the fans with major reveals and insider opportunities. What yeah, those mean? two things aren't contradictory. Yeah. So why would, yeah. Does that mean I that there is going to be some mean, stuff? I don't get I assume it. inclusive means that we're going to, you know, everybody gets to watch it. Right. But we'll still look to yeah. excite the fans. But why would we not excite the fans with this? Being like, inclusive. That's what I'm talking about. There's yeah. something, there's still something what? funky in with this going on here. Yeah, why? I mean, I think it's just bad writing. Do you think it really? It was just that poorly written? Yeah. It, instead it, of, it's just, that's just a template of like standard PR speak that didn't make any sense because whoever wrote that doesn't know what words mean. Okay, so if you just swap out the but with and and you read it like this, we are evolving this year's E3 into a more inclusive event and we'll still look. It, the still. Yeah. And we'll still look to excite the fans. Like unless you're – the only thing I can piece together there is that like if more people get to see it, it's less exciting because it's not as exclusive. I don't. I don't know. It makes no sense to me at all. But I read it like five times. I'm like, what is this trying to say? Like, I, don't I think know. it's just. I think it's just mindless PR copy. That's all it is. I. I hope so. Because otherwise, there's something really funky going on with E3 2021. Uh, they did announce the official dates. It is June 12th to the 15th. It is digital only. Um, and they did announce that there are uh, several publishers, the um, Nintendo, Microsoft are there. They did not say Sony, so it looks like Sony is going to sit it out again. Um, no EA either, so I don't know if EA is going to try to do its own. I mean, everyone's going to do their own, like, digital. Yeah, it'll be the thing same thing. You know, EA's got its own thing. Microsoft's got its own thing. It's just all going to coincidentally happen the same week. And then they announced a bunch of third parties like Capcom and Bandai Namco and blah, blah, blah. It looked like pretty much all the big boys are there, minus EA and I wonder, yeah, I mean, I kind of liked last year when it was all spread out across June. Yeah. I don't know. 
I I want to get it over with, dude. I want that big like boom where we get all this stuff in a short period of time. It's exciting. It's energizing. I know our jobs were easier last year. And look, Jeff Keeley isn't out of this. He's going to be doing his own summer games fest thing and all that kind <clears> of stuff, which will drag it on, like you're saying, into further into the month. And look, all these other publications are trying to do their own goofy little things now too. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's even more of that stuff. But I'm cool with E3 proper just being like three days. Like, let's make it exciting again. Let's make it like a, an appointment that you have to like show up for and get like our audience excited for it and IGN's audience excited for it. Like, we need that. I feel like like that kind of touch point that we get every year where we kind of all get together and enjoy and celebrate games together. Um, I didn't like how it was all just kind of dragged out and spread out across like three months last year. It felt like there wasn't an event at all, even though it was like more than ever. Um, I don't know. That's just how I am. Um, I think it's a good idea to kind of, because here's the other thing. They're like, I mean, I'm sure that will be the, the case when they have an actual physical event next year. And they did mention that in the press release, too. They're like, and we'll see you in 2022 with the legit E3 again, which at first when I read it, I was like, oh, of course, that's a given. And I was like, well, maybe it wasn't a given because two years of not doing E3, where's the money? Where are you getting the money from? Mm-hmm. Like, where are you? Well, and also two years of not doing E3, uh, have any of the major publishers missed it? That's a problem, have, too, isn't have it? Have sales suffered? Did that <laughs> so, did it damage? You know, all that all those times you kept asking me about, like, well, is, is it going to affect the PlayStation 5 sales that Sony's not going to E3? And the answer is repeat. No. <laughs> Definitely not. We actually just lost Matt. His video froze. Hopefully we didn't lose the internet at all. Can you guys still hear me? Repeatedly. No, there new. he is. He's back. <laughs> I can hear you. You just froze, Matt. Like, literally for, like, mm-hmm. 10 seconds. Uh, people couldn't I think see there you, was though. a hiccup in the in the internet. Okay. I think there was a hiccup in the internet. Okay, people couldn't see you because we're showing B-roll of E3. But yeah, you had frozen there for like ten seconds or whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're right. Like obviously, it did not hurt the sales of the PlayStation Five at all. Um, it's still you can't. You still can't buy it. It's still impossible to get. Yep. They still can't make as many as people want to buy. So it absolutely hasn't hurt it. And you're right. Maybe publishers are really looking at that now, and they're like, dang, like. It really didn't change anything not having E3. It's kind of crazy to think mm-hmm. about. Like, I I didn't think it would hurt that much, but, you know, I didn't think that the industry would just go on like it didn't disappear. I mean, that's pretty much what's happened. It's like it didn't go away. You can't really tell the difference from 2019 to 2020 and 2021. If anything, I mean, the, obviously the, the pandemic helped with sales because people were trapped at home. They need stuff to yeah. do. Um, really, the litmus test will probably be in 2022 as far as, like, how much did E3 hurt or help sales? Because uh, people were forced to buy more games. That's all there is to it. They had nothing else to do for the last, like, 18 months or whatever. So um, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. Um, I can't wait to go back to a real E3 again. I'll just say that. Or other events, period. Um, I think most people would agree with that. I think even our, most of our users would like to see a real E3 again. So... I don't know. I mean, I'd like, I'd like to see everybody at E3 again. I don't know if I want to go to E3 again. I do. Um, I want to go back to a real show again. For real. I don't, I don't ever need to see the floor of E3 again. E3 energizes me. Like, it gets me excited about games to be around people who love them as much as I do. Like, and doing this job to me, is very isolating. I mean, I like going to the parties and going to see everyone who's in town all at the same time. Like, that's cool as a social thing. Uh, to me, E3 feels like a dinosaur. It feels ancient. 
It so feels... do you think any sort of in-person event feels like a dinosaur or just E3? Uh, mostly E3. Um, <laughs> I, wow. I mean, I, I think similar things somewhat about things like Comic-Con or but at least Comic-Con and those, those places are like focused on like, you know, catering to paying customers. This is just a business expo that like lets people in for an obscene amount of money now. Yeah. Um, I guess one or the other basically would be what I'd say. Like you want to turn it into another PAX or another Comic-Con, like go ahead, but you need to go further in terms of making it targeting the people who are paying to come here. Um, there's just not enough there. Like the real action happens off site essentially, um, which is not you know worth anybody's money, I don't think, uh, outside of the cachet of being at E3, you know? Um, yeah, but you know, and like the, the the floor of things like Comic Con, I find fa- fairly pointless these days because you can find all the merchandise and all the stuff they have there at any convention or online. Uh, the appeal is going to the you know the the Hall H stuff where you've got like, um, you know, you've got Hall, you know, like seeing all the people on the panels and that kind of like there, there's something you can do there that you can't do anywhere else. Um, for uh, you know, and they keep the, the streaming to a minimum and some of those things, but like to me like E3 is better online, like outside of seeing the people I want to see that I'm friends with that from years in the industry, like I get everything I need from E3 and probably more directly and in better resolution on the internet. Hmm. Like it, it doesn't, it's not a loss to me to see it there. And when you get to that point, it's like, well, why not, why, how, why not just everybody do directs at that, at that rate? I mean, we're kind of there already. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they've had to do for the last two years and they're going to do it this year. So um, I would like to see the event come back. I don't think it feels like a dinosaur. Yeah, I, but I well, would especially if like they... all you've got there are like Nintendo and Microsoft. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? You know, I like, would prefer that they roll it back to the way it was, though. I hate to say it, like kick the yeah. kids out. Like, I would prefer it be industry only, so we can go there and get our work done and actually talk to people in the industry who can help us with our coverage. Because now it's just like a big free for all. And same, I. But also part of it for me is like. There's no EA, there's no Sony, there's no Activision, there's no, you know, it, it, it's you know, rolling it back to, to, you'd have to roll it back to the part where everybody wanted to participate, <laughs> not just point. the part where you don't let the public in. That's a good point. Like, what are you going to do? You know, like, you know, Comic-Con may be a little bit of a creaky, creaky ship at this point, but at least Marvel shows up. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Comic-Con as it comes back as well. Um, I have a feeling, though, these shows are going to explode because people have been trapped inside for so long and have missed these for so long. Like, if E3 did open up next year to, like, more of the public, I think it would be mobbed. Because everyone has just been trapped inside, like... Somewhat, but I think by next June, it won't be as much of a novelty. Eh. What I do think will be mobbed is uh, Comic-Con in November. Yep, absolutely. And good. Like, we need it. Like, the industry needs it, and... um, It'll be interesting to see how people respond to E3 this year and next year, especially when it starts coming around again. If people are like, you know what, I'm excited to see E3 again. I'm interested to see what our chat says about E3. I know a lot of them are like, I'm over it. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch. Um, this mm-hmm. is a once in like a, not even a lifetime, once in like a three lifetime thing that we're going through right now. I don't think we can really predict like how it's all going to shake out. But anyway, that's the latest update on E3 2021, all digital, June 12th to the 15th, all kind of compressed into a few days. It actually starts on Saturday and goes to Tuesday, I believe, which is kind of odd. Hmm. Um, instead, of I mean, it makes sense for if you're if you're focusing entirely on home viewing, you want to target the weekend so people have the day off, yeah, more or less. Conferences and all that kind of stuff. Yep. All right, let's move on. 
We're going to talk briefly about a game we talked about when it came out originally, um, but it was kind of one of our Game of the Year candidates, and it just released in a new form on new platforms, and that is Disco Elysium. Um, Disco Elysium Final Cut? Is that what the yeah. new version is called, Matt? Yeah. And which platforms is it on now? PS5? Uh, currently, and... it's PS5, and uh, currently it's PlayStation and PC. Okay, so and PS4, going... PS5, and PC. Yeah, and then there's going to be a... Um, other platforms are going to get it later in the year. Okay. And a, and a physical a physical edition will come out later in the year as well. For later everything. in the year. Is it yeah. coming to Switch? I think it is. Is it? I don't remember exactly. It's not too graphics intensive. I don't see any reason it wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. It should be able um, to run on it. And what are, yeah. the big, what are the big changes for this new version that you've played, Matt? Yeah, there's a Switch version coming. Okay. And Stadia, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Um. So uh, the big, the main changes are um, they've added a little bit of content, but the main change is that every single piece of text in the game is voiced now. Wow, that's a big project. Um, Wasn't so there like a million lines in the game or something? It's a lot. It's it, is, it, is a, it is one of the most text-heavy games I have ever played. Um, and it's all voice it's just, now. It's almost it's ninety percent reading. Really, it's uh, it means it's a it's a bit of a spiritual successor to Planescape Torment. Uh, there's no combat in the game. Uh, all action stuff is done with like dice rolls to like success or failure based on your skills. Um, it's a very uh, folded in internalized game. Like the main foe in the game is your own main character's mind. Um, like you've got a whole, whole rows of different skill. You've got four different kinds of skill types. You've got uh, intelligence, uh, psyche, strength, and uh, one other, I think empathy, something like that. Uh, and um, you can tell which one I didn't use as much. Uh, and then there's like six individual skills related to each of those four uh, things. So you put points in each of the four, and that will determine your starting abilities in each of those, ty- you know, the, 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 run- the six skills attached to each ability. And um, some of that stuff is just like weird things. Like, you know, some of it can be as simple as like a deduction. So like you'll be better at uh, deducing things or like, um, savoir faire. So that means like you'll be smoother, come up with smoother dialogue responses to people and be able to get them what to do what they want, what you want, or like to be able to have a better success at rolling dice for a skill check on um, coming up with the right thing to say to convince somebody of something. Or Inland Empire, which is like your inner weird imagination. So your way to see, your ability to see things from another weird angle that no one else would see. Uh, and every single one of those skills, so there's there's 24 of those skills. Every one of them uh, is represented in the text dialogue by a different uh, kind of personality or, or, or persona in your head. So like each skill is like a, ver- a part of your mind talking to you in that voice. And in the fully in the original version, those, that was all text. In the new one, all those different things are voiced. Is the voice and acting good? Voice acting is very good. Wow. Um, That's quite a project. It's uh, it's 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 sort of like an audio book now. Uh, and if you don't like that, you can skip stuff. Obviously, uh, there is also a um, there's options for uh, there's there's a new version. There's an option for, um, uh, I think, uh, thoughts only or something. So like only the internal stuff is voice. And there's an option for classic, which just gives you the same amount of voice acting as the original game. Gotcha. Uh, if you have it on PC, the upgrade is free. Awesome. Uh, and then obviously it only just came out on PlayStation, so you have to buy it there. How big was that bucks. download, Matt, on PC, just to update the voice? Oh, it was like eight gigs. 
Wow. You, you basically read down the whole re- redownload the whole game. Oh, uh, okay. It's not that big a game. Um, Even with all it, that it, voice, it, it's still not that big. That's crazy. No, it's a oh, it's a top down, you know, basically a point and click game. Yeah. It's 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 interesting playing it now on like the big screen on the on the on the new version on the PS5 because it's clearer, like it's easier to see some details because it's got kind of a painterly style. Yeah. Uh, and it's easy to kind of not quite be able to tell what you're looking at at times in the backgrounds, but uh, they've cleaned some of that up. You've been um, playing the PS5 version. Yeah. And how does it work uh, with the controller? It Fine. works pretty well. Um, yeah, the, the the PC version is point and click, yep. um, which, to be honest, really does work better still. Yeah. Um, the way they did it on this, so you, you move him around with the con- with the the controller with the analog stick, and then um, to look at things and interact with them, you you pretty much have to point the right analog stick at them, uh-huh. uh, and then it'll highlight whatever. Like you can hold the the left tri- the left shoulder button, and it'll highlight anything you can interact with. You get near it and point the, the his head. That the the stick kind of controls his head. You can see his head look around. Mm-hmm. You can kind of point that towards whatever you want to interact with, and then the X button will pop up, and you can hit it and, and interact. The trouble is that it can be difficult to get the game to agree with you on what you're looking at. So like you're like looking at a thing and you know you want to interact with that thing and the thing is highlighted and you're pointing the thing towards it and it will the fucking X button will not pop up. <laughs> and part of the problem is there's nothing, there's no onboarding in the game to tell you how it works. Like you just sort of got to figure it out. Oh. Um, That's weird. So there is no console controls tutorial really that That's I found. Um, so <laughs> you just got to kind of muddle through it. So I could definitely see someone who's never played it before because um, I knew what to do with the beginning hours because I played it, I played it already. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you didn't know quite what to do, I could see being very frustrated with not understanding, you know, because you can see little dots on things that clearly interact, you can interact with them. But early on, I could not get the X button prompt to pop up. And it still continues even now. Like sometimes I still run into things where I, I kind of figured out its quirks, but I think it could use some kind of a refinement patch or something to make uh to make it a little more uh, intuitive in terms of a, in terms of the game kind of intuiting what you want to do. I think it's not very good at that with a controller yet. Okay. If if you have a choice, I would still say play it on PC. Uh, Sleepy Droid is saying uh, 15 gigs. 15 to, gigs? Yeah, going to download it now. So bloat it up a good mm-hmm. bit with the new voice acting stuff. Um, was it safe to say that you would recommend people buy the PC version if they if, they, uh, if that's if you have the choice? Yes, I would they say don't buy need PC. like a crazy PC to run this, right? No, it's not too much. I mean, it's it's again, frame rate doesn't matter. There are there's no Twitch gaming in this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all storytelling and you know point and click adventure stuff. Um, but it's like don't it's not like a standard point and click adventure. It's almost inter- entirely about the internal life of the character. Um, like it's like the, when you, uh, when you choose dialogue, it matters like choosing particular opinions to voice as the character can influence how your character thinks and how he believes things. And then you can equip things in your mind palace that like <laughs> changes how his stats work and changes the ideas he has. Like you can eventually kind of, and you can push him to become a certain type of belief character like you can push your character to become a hardline royalist if you want to support the royal family in the in the world he's in you can push him to become a hard a hard left socialist and everything he comes up with he talks about after a while will be rooted in the idea of tearing down the capitalist system you can convince you can make him convince himself because when you wake up, you have no idea who you are. You're, you have yeah, complete you're drunk, amnesia. You have a hangover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a you're a police detective, but 
you don't remember anything. So you can, you can kind of go down this path where you acknowledge that you have no reason to necessarily believe that you are a police detective, even though everyone tells you you're one, because they could all be lying to you and you might actually be a rock star. And if you continually, continually choose those options, you can convince the character can convince himself (laughs) he is a rock star. He's a superstar. And he will then behave like that in the dialogue, even though no one else thinks he's a superstar rock star. And you can just be that character in all these situations, behaving that way delusionally. And and your logic will drop. You know, your logic ability to do logic skills will drop. Your ability to do deduction will drop. But your ability to be savoir faire and cool will go way up. Yeah. So like you're a delusional weirdo. But if you decide to play it that way, you can still get through the game that way. It's yeah, it's amazing. Like this it game is, is a. I mean, even the console version, which you said the controls aren't great, the console version is still getting like a nine point five. Like, yeah. This is like a, if you don't have if you don't have a PC, to control, like get it on PS Five. Like play this game. Yeah. Play it. Like it's it's one of the best things I've played in ten years. And you're not alone. Everybody agrees. It is co- consensus game of the year candidate from the year it came out. Um, it's. For what it is, it's pretty much as good yeah. as they get. So, and it's made by like six people. It's really mind blowing. It's it's astounding. Like, look up interviews with the the, the dev team about making the thing, and how like what the thing I just described about like kind of like building building the mind palace and how like you could equip different thought patterns and stuff. Read the one developer has an interview about how that was the thing that they thought was never ever going to work. And like he has an interview about like how like they didn't they didn't they knew what they wanted to do, but had no idea how anyone could ever do it. But they did figure it out after a while. Like it's astounding. Like yeah. these these guys uh, and girls over here, um, they they pulled off a miracle. Yeah, with this they pretty thing. much set a new standard for the genre. Matt, how much is this selling for now? Uh, it's 40, 40 bucks for the final. And it was, it was on, it was like 10 bucks off on PS five and on PlayStation when it launched. I don't know if that's still on. It might've been only for a week and only PlayStation consoles for right now coming to for switch. now, uh, Xbox and switch are coming later. Okay. So there you go. That's disco Elysium final cut game of the year candidate the year. Was it just last year that it came out or was it uh, year two before? years ago? Two years ago. Yeah. Game of the year candidate and well-deserved definitely worth uh, checking out, which brings us to our final topic of episode two fifty which is a game that Matt and I feverishly downloaded last night and played as much as we could before we got in here today, and that is Oddworld Soulstorm. Um, before we get started on this, I just want to talk about how this game is releasing um, to just kind of set the stage. It is, <laughs> it is available, event, eventually will be available, for PC, PS4, and PS5 for $50. But, and here's how Matt and I played it, it is free this month on PlayStation Plus if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber, but only for PlayStation 5. Did you realize that, Matt? No, I didn't realize it was only PS5. Yeah. So the PlayStation Plus, if you're a subscriber and you own a PS4, you cannot get this game for free. It costs mm-hmm. $50 on PS4 and PC. I think they're throwing a bone to PS5 owners because we've been living through a There's nothing else to play. For yeah. a while. <laughs> so it's nice. I mean, I have a PS5 and I was able to get it for free last night and start playing it. Um, base level, it is a... Lauren Lanning is calling it, and I hate kind of giving into contrivances like this where developers try to make you say stuff. It's like when Nintendo tried to make us spell GameCube with all capital letters, and I just <laughs> flat out refused. We all rejected it. We're like, no, we're not doing please, that. Please type it all caps, Nintendo GameCube, with a trademark symbol <laughs> every, at the end of it. Right. Every time you typed it, we are like, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, Lauren Lanning is calling it a 2.9D game. Um, oh, shut up. 
exactly. What is? Look, come on. Exactly. That's exactly how I felt about it. I'm like, uh, yeah, okay, bro, whatever you say. Um, it is a. Why didn't you go that last point one? I don't. I don't get what the other. Look, I've used two point five D before. Um, because that it's means it, it means something. It does mean something, and I'm okay using that. And this game yeah. is 2.5. That's what it is. It doesn't do anything, at least not in the first two levels, that goes outside the 2.5. No, it mostly is just 2D. I mean, it yeah. mostly just plays from a side angle. Um, but it is a re- reimagining. They're calling it a not a remake, but a retake again. A 2.9D retake, Matt. There's two of them in one sentence for you. Of mm. Abe's uh, Exodus from 1998. So the story essentially stays the same. Um, you've basically destroyed a farm. But in the first game, it was like a, like a, a meat farm. I'm not sure if they even really tell you what it is in this one. And then you're going to, after you've destroyed the farm, you're going to a factory to set all your fellow Mutacons, is that what they're called? Yeah. All your fellow Mutacons free who have been working in the factory. And you're being chased by the owner of the farm who, you know, is pissed off because you screwed up his farm. Um, And that's really the plot of the game. Um, And one thing that is different from the first take on it is that you are trying to free your comrades from a meatpacking factory. Now you're trying to free them from an energy drink factory. Um, and then from there, it's a, as we said, a two and a half D puzzle platformer. Um, with stealth elements. With uh, too much stealth, I would argue, in the game. Um, where do we begin with this, Matt? So I got to, I made it through, I think, four levels. I made it further than you did. Mm-hmm. I, I'll be honest with you, I wanted to quit after I finished the second level. <laughs> yeah. Which is what I did. I was. I mean, it was like 1 a.m. I was done. Yeah, I downloaded it right when it went up at 9 p.m. And I just dug into I went, it. Like, you texted me and said it was up, and I w- switched over to the PlayStation, started downloading it, and I switched back to Outriders, and then I kind of forgot what time it was. And I was like, oh, I got to play Oddworld. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I mean, look, it's not like I was shocked by my, react- my reaction to this game. Like, it is the same game from 25 years ago. Yeah. I mean, better graphics. It was better graphics, obviously better cinematics. The CG cinematics are great. I would probably watch the odd world movie. Even though I hate these characters with like every iota of my being. I do hate the look of them. I I don't find them endearing at all, but like I, whatever's like the, the cinematics of this are effective. Like they're well done. Like I don't like Abe, but I do care about somewhat about what's happening in the scenes yes just because they're well directed um it sells me those characters in a way i don't know if i've ever been sold them before i guess is how i'd say i'd agree with that um production values through the roof like it's just astoundingly good looking yeah i mean you could they're cg they're not like in engine cinematics Um, yeah i always i'm always reluctant to give too much credit for stuff like that because it's like did Land, Learning, Learn Landing and his team do that? No, they they farmed it out to someone else more likely, some CG studio that did it. Um, yeah, but I do think they wrote it and storyboarded it. Yeah, yeah, for so. sure. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, and it is pretty story driven. I mean, there are consistent cinematics yeah. throughout everything that I played. It's not one of those games where you have this elaborate opening CG thing and then the story disappears. Um, yeah. There, there are plenty of moments where it goes back to the plot and back to the story and the quality of the CG never falters. It never gets bad. The voice acting, even though they're speaking in this weird sort of dialect because they're aliens, 
Um, the voice acting is good. Um, as Matt said, kind of the, how they compose all the shots and the cinematics is great. And even even the in-game visuals are pretty good. Um, yeah. they, they are 2D, which allows them to cheat. They don't have to draw a big draw distance. Uh, but yeah, what is? But they look nice. They do more or less. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it easily. still suffers from that same problem of the old games, where it's like things are too things get small enough that I can't quite tell what I'm looking at at times. Yeah, I'd agree with that as well. But like all the effects for like the fire and the particles oh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff look great. The two and a half D stuff really comes in the form of enemies that are attacking you from like the background, mm-hmm. and there's cover in the game, and the cover will get destroyed if you try to hide behind it too long. Um, most of the game is not. I wouldn't really call it a platformer, to be honest with you, Matt. The, the first level is there's a lot of platform to kind of yeah. Take. The escape from the the mountain is is very platformy, but it, then it, it settles into the usual odd world, or at least the Abe style odd world of like sneak around, take control of things, direct the other Mudicons left and right. You know, stop, go, move. Like, it's the same thing. I mean, it, it, it's it's almost disheartening to see the controller layout in the load screen where it's just like, it's Oh yeah, it was. pretty much the same thing. And it's a little thing. It's like, you know, I, the game seems to think throwing bottles at fire is way more entertaining than it actually is. Um, yeah, so I, I just get, kept, I kept waiting for it to get going and it didn't. Yeah. Really. I mean, a lot of the puzzles are like environmental and you'll see here in the yeah. B roll. Um, either you're setting things on fire. So they're that are wooden that burn down to get past or, you're using water bottles to, to put out the fire so you can get through mm-hmm. fires. And that's where a lot of the, at least in this early going, is, yeah. that is concerned. Is and I, I had a lot of trouble getting the game to agree with me on where throwing a water bottle would put a fire out. Yep, agreed. It was very annoying. Like I'm like, wait a minute, that arc is landing right in the blaze and it wouldn't hit yep. it. Like It seems like it, the water and the objects are thrown further than they're shown on screen. Yeah, it was. It, there's like there's a weird like overthrow thing going on, and like it it, it looks like the water spreads out in a little splat, kind of like the way the, the you know because the bottles you throw the with the drink that catches fire. That's the energy splats drink, and leaves actually. like a green green puddle on everything, and then you can set that on you, you know basically you have to hit the thing you want to burn and then leave a little trail of it to, to the the little torch that's inevitably there, and you smash it and like it you know it burns along the along the path and blows up. But, like, with the water, it feels like it just doesn't spread properly. Yeah, I've also had problems with the jumping, judging, jump distance. It seems like yeah, sometimes he jumps farther than other times. Am I yeah, crazy? Yeah, well, because sometimes it seems like there's points, like, like especially when it comes to, like, the monkey bars. Uh, I think he sort of auto-sucks to the monkey and bars. And he can jump farther and than you, you think he can. Yeah, and if you double jump for that, it breaks that and you fall. Even just it's like very weird. jumping up and grabbing onto platforms, I've had trouble judging that. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times, I end up hitting his head underneath the platform. Like there's just yeah. something off about it. I don't like the controls at all, to be honest with you, Matt. No, like, it's it's very awkward. As uh, you start yeah. doing the stealth stuff, it becomes very important that you walk to the edge of a ledge and be able to hold and hang down from the edge of the ledge. I have. Yeah, like he will drop off the ledge if you even breathe on him wrong. Yep, like, it is giving me fits trying to get him to instead of jumping off the ledge fall down and hold on to the ledge. Right. And for the stealth like, stuff, like, you hang, have to do it. Drop, yes, hang, hang. Yeah. And if you drop, it alerts the enemies and they immediately yeah. shoot you with a machine gun and kill you. Or Even whatever though they mysteriously cannot see you when you're hanging from the ledge five feet above their heads. Yeah, it's bizarre the way it's... And again, it's a game from 1998. It's full of contrivances yeah. that we're used to not having in games anymore. But I, rem- I mean, I played that back in the day and I don't remember having that much trouble with it. And I don't remember if that's because... I was more patient then, or if it was better to, like, I, I feel like there was not, 
Because in this game, when you just hold down, you automatically drop off the ledge. I feel like in the old game, you had to press circle to drop off a ledge. That like you would hang on until you pressed a button to tell it to drop off the ledge. I think you eventually, I think in this game, to completely let go of the ledge, once you're hanging there, I think you have to hit the, the circle to do that. Hmm. Because he kept dropping off on his own oh, really? accord to me, for me. <laughs> um, eventually, you get other abilities. Um, you get this ability to chant, which you basically just sit there and meditate, and this orb comes out. Um, and it's basically, and I didn't like the controls for this either. You use, like, the right analog stick to basically guide the orb through, like, the platforms to get to something. It'll, like, flip a switch for you. It took me forever to just be accurate with using that stupid orb and getting it through the platforms. Um, eventually you start getting like the ability to, um, craft stuff. Like you get like rock candy that you can use to throw at enemies and it'll knock them out. And then you can walk up and you can tie them up. Then you can start like crafting stuff. Like you get rubber bands, you can mix them with the rock candy balls and you can use those to ricochet them off walls to knock out enemies. Um, really the objective of the game actually, after you get past this initial like platforming section is stealth It's Matt and I have been talking about. But really, the objective is you need to rescue all the other Mutacons. So a lot of the game is built on, like, a room-by-room room basis. You go into a big room. There's X number of Mutacons in the room, and it's a big puzzle. You need to figure out how you get to the Mutacons and alert them because you can control them with, like, something called game speak. And you can instruct them to do simple things like stand on platforms to flip switches and stuff like that. Wait. Wait, yeah. <laughs> Move. And, and move, yeah. Um, the, the controls are it's the the instructions are very simple that you can give them. But really, what yeah. you end up doing in this game is going into each room and figuring out how to get rid of all the enemies. So, like I said, you start using the rock candy balls or the rubber band balls to incapacitate them or knock them out. There's also like um these like things that you can like a a switch thing like these little mines that'll like knock knock them out. You can set mm -hmm. up. And once they're knocked out, you go and tie them up, and then they just disappear. And once you've kind of eliminated all the enemies from each room, then you figure out how to navigate all the Mutocons back to this, like, crazy portal. It's like some weird bird portal that you take them to to get them to zap out of the world. And there's, like, 200 total Mutocons you have to save throughout the game. Um, sometimes you go into a room and there's, like, a couple. Um, but then sometimes you'll have, like, eight or nine of them following you at once, and then... The other kind of the second part of each room becomes, okay, I've gotten rid of all the enemies who can harm them. How do I get them down to the bird portal so I can get them out of here? And that's when you start using them to like flip switches or stand on something to de-weight it or to add weight to something. And that's where kind of the more puzzly platforming stuff comes into play. And that's pretty much how the game plays out. The stealth stuff drove, drives me bonkers, mm -hmm. particularly until you get the ability to incapacitate the enemies. Once you get that... Once you get, like, the raw candy balls and the rubber band balls, the stealth isn't all that important. There's, like, lockers you can hide in and all this other stuff to help, like, hide. But once you get the ability to attack the enemies, it becomes much easier and much more manageable. When you first start, though, and you don't have that stuff, and you literally just have to sneak around and hope that, like, you don't catch, like, their laser sights or whatever, uh, I wanted to quit, Matt. Like, literally, on, like, the first screen, I wanted to quit. Because it's like the the sneaking is really slow, and as Matt and I were alluding to and talking about, like the platforming controls are awkward and unintuitive and don't always seem to work the way that they're supposed to. As far as like whether you're gonna fall off a ledge or hang on a ledge, and when you're gonna drop off of that ledge, 
it just became really annoying and really archaic, and it felt like a game from 1998. In all honesty, yeah. Uh, it, and it's just like, like playing this was like, okay, I, I know, I see what I need to do, I understand what's going on, but I've done it so many times in these games and other games. Why am I doing this? Like, I guess that's what I mean when I say I'd watch the Odd World movie. Is I don't want to play a game to see this story. It's not worth it to me. At least yep. not this game. Now the game does re- does score you at the end of each level. Yes, and it's supposed- matter of fact, it, it has like the total number of Mudicons you're supposed to rescue through the whole game up on top all the whole time. Like mm-hmm. you, there are three hundred of them in there, and we're gonna see how many you get, pretty much. And if you, there are rewards. So the the objective of scoring you is that they want to encourage you to go back and replay the levels to master it and get better at it. And one of the big scores that you get at the end is le- is how non-lethal you were. And I'll just be honest with you, I didn't care about that at all. Like, I, once I got the rock candy and the rubber balls, I was like, I don't care how many of these guys I kill or I knock out. And you can actually kill some of them. Like, eventually you'll get a flamethrower um, and some other things that can kill them instead of incapacitating them. Um, and it, it's easier if you do that. And in, in honesty, you'd have to be really patient to not do that because mm-hmm. there's no way I would play this game trying to not kill any of the enemies to be perfectly honest with you um, but yeah I mean that's pretty much the whole game and it just continues on like that you start getting some other tools that you can use um, there's a, like I said a flamethrower stun mines you get explosives like a fizzy pop explosive uh, but it runs I don't know I felt like it ran out of ideas before it ran out of uh, new items to give you to fiddle around with yeah, which is, I, uh, which is also very old school. Yeah, I mean, it's it. the same as, it's really that, most elements of this game are really the same as the 1998 game, and I wasn't able to finish that game back then either. So, he, Lauren Lanning has said, you know, that game, they made it and released it in nine months, back in 1998. Mm-hmm. And so he said, you know, it's always been his dream to finish the game the way it's supposed to be finished. This is what he says it is, but honestly, Matt, I can't see... A whole lot of difference in this game from what I. No, I mean part then. of the problem with that one with Abe's Exodus was that it was essentially a level expansion pack. Yep. Like it was almost the same game with just more more, um, which was not uncommon for games then. But yeah, they turned that around real fast. Um, so I, granted, I've, I've played two levels of this thing, but it doesn't feel like it's breaking that mold too much. I mean, I can see why they gave it away free on PlayStation Plus, I guess is what <laughs> I'm getting at. <laughs> like, I can totally I, I definitely see. paid the right price for it. I will say that. Free. Um, Matt, how much would you be willing to pay for this if you had to pay for it? Because a lot Nothing. of people do have to pay for it. Nothing. I would not I would not pay for this game. I'm, I'm not, not saying it's bad and, like, not worth paying for. I'm just saying that I, it has nothing to offer me personally. I'm not interested in the Odd World stuff. I've only periodically been vaguely interested the only auto world game i i I actually really enjoyed was stranger's wrath um and i you know if this wasn't free on playstation plus you would be talking about this alone right now because i would not have i would not have thrown money at this i mean i would probably 20 bucks probably i mean look there are people that like puzzle platformers and i think this is a pretty good one I mean, there's not a whole lot of other games doing this kind of legacy gameplay today. It's certainly not with this level of production value. So if you're into that, then yeah, it's probably worth buying at least at least whenever it drops to half price at some point. But 50 um, bucks, dude, that's insane. 50 bucks is a lot. I mean, I can understand why it's 50 bucks because clearly it costs some money to make a game look like this and do the cinematics. But 
Yeah, that's you're paying for their CG budget. Let's be honest. Kinda, yeah. And I think it it is kind of a proof of concept for indie games as well. Like we often complain, like you know, indie games is just talking heads and text bubbles. But you know what? If that's what it takes to get a game like this down to twenty or twenty five bucks, then the trade off is worth it. Like. Yeah, all in all, I'd rather play that 2D Metroid Prime remake. Yeah, that the fans made. <laughs> I know that looks awesome, doesn't it? Yeah, way better than this. That's for sure. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. And I don't care how many cinematics are in it that look all pixelated or whatever. It's all about the game and the way it plays. Um, and there are there is some clever stuff in this. Don't get me wrong. There's a couple moments where I was like, oh, okay, that that's kind of smart. Yeah. But, but for fifty bucks, man, I cannot rationalize it. It's a small game. Like, it's not going to yeah, take this, up a... This is just not a, the kind of throwback that I miss from back in the day. You know, like, so not, it's not as bad as Balan Wonder, Wonder World in the sense of, <laughs> I will like, say I that, Matt. I enjoyed this a lot more than Balan Wonder yeah, World. Yeah, like, I don't think, uh, you know, I think there's a broader audience for this kind of nostalgia than for whatever the hell Balan Wonder World's trying to pull. But they are trying to pull that from the same era. Yeah. Uh, the 32-bit era. I don't know, you know... Oddworld probably has more fans of its own IP, uh, just because it was a more uh, long-lived and more endearing thing. But uh, as someone who never really got into the Oddworld thing outside of Stranger's Wrath, uh, this does not change my mind. Yeah. And right now you're seeing some of the stuff I was talking about a little bit earlier. The chanting, and then eventually there's a little bit of stealth that you can see, but... It's pretty paint by the number stealth. Like the enemies have like a cone of influence. You need to avoid the cone of mm-hmm. influence so they can't hear you or they can't see you. There's nothing particularly unique. Yeah, like the part of the problem I think is that like indie games have sort of tackled a lot of the elements of this in way better ways. Yeah. You know, like like there's uh you know the stealth is is not terrible, but it's also like that. Uh, I found it you know, terrible, that, Matt. I hated it when I was just when I didn't have all those other tools. I would drive me mm-hmm. crazy, dude. But part of it is also like there's other games like uh, was that that's that ninja that Shadow of the Ninja game or whatever. Aragami was was Aragami. Yeah, there's yeah. that, but there's also like the the just Shadow of the Ninja or something. Like, yeah. I think it's Ninja in the title. <laughs> like it's just done 2D stealth way better. Like it's been improved since then. Yep, and this is a game that's now 23 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> think about that. It, it's just look. It's silly to think that you could release this game without some major overhauls, and it would be okay. Like, but if you look at what that's all they've been doing, like the new and tasty, that was a remake of the first one. Like, it just seems yeah. like they have not managed to find a new way to make this this franchise relevant in the the aughts. To be Mark of the Ninja. Fun. That's it, what I'm thinking of. Mark of the Ninja. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, just like yeah, I. I I don't know. It's just—it's not bad, I, but it's like you, I, for me, I need more than a new coat of paint and production value on this. I need—I need the game to play like something that was made this year, and it doesn't feel that way to me. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you can find a an indie stealth game that handles the stealth way better, and probably the puzzle platforming better yeah. as well for, for five the, for or a ten third bucks. of the price. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe less than a third, honestly. Yeah, the only thing—the only thing really that this has above anything like that is the production value. Yep. Yeah, the production values are really good. It's Top notch, saw in the for sure. Yeah, for a 2D game especially, but it's not good enough. It's too expensive. Um, but if you got a PS5, download it. It's not even very big. I think it's what like eight gigs or something like that. So yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a huge, wasn't too long. <clears throat> so download it, give it a go. If you don't like it, delete it. Um, <laughs> if I were a PS4 owner only, I'd be pretty salty though. Especially if I was a PS4 yeah. owner who's been trying to buy a PS5. Like, I don't know if you can like go and claim the game. Maybe, and then when you get a PS5, you'll have I it. I don't know. 
That's a good question. I mean, like on like the website or something, that's right. a good question. Yeah. Might be worth looking into anyway. But um, yeah, as of right now, it's definitely a pass on buying it for 50 bucks. Yeah. Uh, for PC or PS4. I wouldn't spend more than 15 bucks on this game, to be honest with you. Just the way it is. All right. Time for Q&A, people. As always, go at Sifted Games in the chat so we can find your questions. Um, I saw some people doing Twitch Prime here a second ago. Yep. KC Alpha, thank you for Twitch Prime. Want to see? What, here's another one. Toast nine one six X. Thank you for Twitch Prime. And the chat's cut off, and that's as far up as I can go. <laughs> I always tell you guys to wait until we uh, call for Q and A to do it, so I can thank you guys. Uh, let's see. First up, Erebus Jones. What's up, brother? Uh, recent games with Gold Games have been a bit crap. Is that because Microsoft can get a deal for a good game? It's going into Game Pass. Will we see really good games on games with gold again? Mm. That's a good I question. Think, I think Game Pass probably is the key there. Um, priority gold has certainly certainly seems to have fallen by the wayside in terms of priority. Um, there, he's not wrong. They're bad. Like yeah. Xbox games with gold, live games with gold have been terrible for a while now. Let's like I don't honest. even really bother checking anymore. On the flip side, Playstations have been amazing. Yeah, PlayStation. I mean, and remember, not too not too long ago, people were complaining that PlayStation Plus's games right. had fallen it was off the cliff. On the other foot, and they yeah. they have very much turned around turned around on that. It's one. been a role reversal, pretty yeah. much. Um, so I hear you, and I yes, I do think it's it's totally Game Pass, but it's hard to argue, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's working for them, so they're making the right call. I think both of them are making the right call right now. But we could also get to a place where Sony starts shifting gears too, and it's like now all our good stuff's going to go to PlayStation now. So the tides are shifting, just in general, thanks to Game Pass. And uh, you're right. You were pretty sharp-eyed to pick up on that, Erebus Jones. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like we can't have both be awesome at the same time. It's going to be one or the other. And I wouldn't be surprised if Sony ends up in the same exact boat once they start building out more of the offerings on PlayStation now, which is what appears is going to happen anyway. Uh, Cinetike, what future do you see for the kind of multiplayer games as a service games? Like Outriders? It uh, seems like there's a lot of saturation in the space, but still companies are trying to get in to, ver- to various degrees of success. Is it worth it to try and yank games from the already established and loved games? Oh, okay. Is it worth it to try and yank gamers from their already established and loved games? Um, I don't know if they're trying to... Well, I guess they are trying to yank gamers because that's what sales mean. Um, I don't think that it's that saturated, to be honest with you. I mean, when was the last game like this that came out matt i mean like game as a service shootery yeah loot heavy blah 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 avengers yeah i guess you're right but that was even that was four months ago five months ago that's september so it was uh six months yeah i mean that's quite a while a little over six months i mean even if i had really gotten into avengers and stuck with the loot side of it i probably would have been burned out on it by now so yeah I think the spacing between games is okay. Um, I don't feel like I'm being overrun with yeah. them. Also, like I don't, I wouldn't categorize Outriders as a game as a service. I wouldn't either. I think it looks that way when you watch it, though, Matt. Yeah. And maybe we should have oh, been yeah. more clear when we talked about it. Um, but I, no, when we said there's not, there's no microtransactions in yeah. it. Yeah. Like you're not, you're not paying for cosmetics. And I did it's say just, that it's just it a melt- game. Yeah, and I did say it felt more like a single player kind of like campaign-ish yeah. driven game instead of... I can see why you'd assume that because everything that looks like that is that now, but it's yeah. not. 
Like it's, you know, and they've said in an interview today, they specifically do not want to do game as a service style transactions. They want to do big expansions, big narrative driven expansions. Yeah. Um, which I support. I think that's cool. Yeah. Um, I think just in general, the game as a service model is um, being seen, is seen as a loser by the major publishers now because uh, they thought for a while it was going to be a guaranteed way to get Insta money. And it proved not to be that they, you know, they took, you know, EA took a bath on Anthem, uh, you know, Square took a bath on Avengers. Um, you know, it, it turns out Destiny is successful not because it uses a game as a service model, but because it's a good game. It's a good game. Yeah, the combat feels really good too. And um, I think that knew? goes a long way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Up next, Justin Horman. What's up, Justin? Hope you're doing well, man. Uh, Xbox Game Pass has NBA 2K1, Madden 21, Football Manager 21, and we'll have MLB The Show 21 later this month. Uh, if it's true, NHL 21 and FIFA 21 will come this month and next month, respectively. How significant is this? Uh, should Xbox be promoting more of this sports, 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 sports on Xbox? Yes. Yes. Like, I, mm -hmm. for instance, like, as soon as EA became a part of Game Pass, I went and downloaded the latest NHL game, and I've been playing NHL games online. Um, I will say this. I also did get the NHL 94 thing that they just made. You cannot play it online. That sucks. I did play a couple games just for old time's sake by myself against the computer, though. Just to see if I can still score using my old techniques, and I could. Um, but, yeah, I've been playing, like, NHL 20 online. They should absolutely be advertising the crap out of that. I mean, they're going to have every sports game for whatever you end up paying a month. I'm paying, like, a dollar. I paid, like, a dollar for three months right now, and a lot of people can still get that deal. So, yes, they should absolutely be playing that up. Like, I should not have been watching, like, the NCAA championship last night without seeing that ad for Game Pass. I should not watch the Penguins game when I get home tonight without seeing that ad for Game Pass. You're right. They should be flexing it more than they are. Um, once NFL season gets here, Madden on Game Pass. That's huge. Huge. Like, it still just boggles my mind, Matt. Like, I just still can't wrap my head around how this makes financial sense for anyone. I just can't. But it is what it is. So enjoy it while it lasts before they yank the carpet out from underneath us. Uh, but, yeah, it's a huge deal. Being able to play every sports game, every recent sports game on Game Pass, a massive deal. Like, they should just be plastering ESPN with this. Like, every ESPN podcast should have an ad for it. Like, if they really want it to succeed, that's what they should be doing. Agree a thousand percent with Justin. Um, Casey Alpha, what's going on with PlayStation now? They added Borderlands 3, but you can't get the PS5 upgrade. Just seems like a wasted service. Well, we talked about it. Maybe you got to the show a little late. We were talking about how it's now become the competitor for Game Pass. And you're right. If they wanted to really compete with Game Pass, you should be able to play the PlayStation 5 version of it on there. So I'd rather have that than Soulstorm. Yeah, I would too. I think they're just trying to figure it out. I don't even honestly. like Borderlands 3 very much. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I think they're just trying to figure it out. Like they're trying yeah. to figure out how far they're going to go with it. And they're watching Microsoft at the same time to see how, how far Microsoft is going to go with it. Uh, they want to see how much they're going to invest in it. Um, Sony is just now dipping its toe in the waters that Microsoft has been swimming in for like a year now. So yeah, this is an element like Sony's more cautious about this kind of thing. And it feels it kind of feels like Microsoft. It's like like two companies like Microsoft's throwing a huge party 
in the patio across the way at the building across the way. And like Sony's like the, the company and everyone's like, all the employees at Sony are like people at Sony are like, Oh, look at that. And Sony's like, well, you we can order like a pizza or something. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> they don't want to push They want to push any further than they have to, you know, there's, there's yeah. a, there's a conservative element to it, to where they're going with this, I think they'll uh, get but there, they might though. have to really, they might have to really put the party hat on at some point here. They're, I think they're going to have to, I don't think they have a choice. A uh, great question though. Uh, Texter Glitch, thank you for Twitch Prime. Call of Dookie One, thank you for Twitch Prime. Surf Spider, thank you for Twitch Prime. You guys all waited till the end. That's awesome. Um, let's see. Do we have any other? Here's one from Ed Rock the Truth. Um, one point that wasn't mentioned regarding MLB the Show: uh, Sony could now make even more money from their version of Ultimate Team with all those new Xbox users. That is a really good point. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yep, that's a whole new revenue stream that's opened up to Sony. That's a good point. We did totally miss that from the conversation. And you're right. That's a whole new market of, and actually I should have realized this because Pactor talked about this, about how when you get your game that has microtransactions on as many platforms as possible. I even mentioned this when I talked about Call of Duty. When you get it on as many platforms and in front of, in front of as many eyeballs as possible, that's more people spending money on microtransactions and it's more revenue. You're right. Yeah. I just forgot about Ultimate Team because I don't ever touch that part of the game. No. Yeah. Yep. I just play Road to the Show, and that's pretty much the whole – that whole franchise is Road to the Show to me. Well, I'll say this. I do use Ultimate Team when I play sports games. Um, I like the fantasy football element of it. I like having, like, a team full of players from all the teams and trying to build a super team. Um, but I do not buy anything. I never have spent a penny on any of them. I earn the cards by playing Ultimate Team and then whatever I get, that's exciting. The cards open up. I'm like, woohoo! Like, it feels like buying them would take some of the joy out of playing the mode to me. Like, I like earning a pack of cards and then going back and opening them up and seeing what I got and then trying to make them fit into my team. So I do play Ultimate Team. I just don't spend any money on Ultimate Team, and that's probably why it completely slipped through the cracks of my brain. <laughs> but I think that's it. That's all your questions. That's it for Game Face, episode 250. If you want to track me or Matt down on Twitter, you can find me at Dinfire. You can find Matt at M. Kyle. Um, and if you want to find Sifted on Twitter, you can find it at Sifted Games. That goes for any of you guys who are listening to the show out on any of the podcast services, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher. I think I may have missed a couple. We're everywhere. But if you're listening out on one of those services, you want to know when the show goes up for free on YouTube and you want to see the video version, uh, you can follow Sifted at Sifted Games on Twitter. Um, also, a message to folks watching on YouTube, we'd really appreciate it if you head over to our Patreon at patreon.com sifted and uh, check it out, all our tiers and all the things that we offer. Um, we've actually completely revamped our Patreon over the last couple of weeks. The only thing I have left to do is record the intro video for our Patreon. Everything else has been changed the Pactor Factor Party tiers are gone. So obviously that can't happen for E3 right now. So we switched some things up. Uh, we're doing, in fact, coming up, not this Saturday, but next, there'll be an Ask Shane Anything get-together again. Hopefully more of you guys can make it this time. But if you pledge at that tier or more, we do a weekly or a, a monthly chat with everybody at that tier. Uh, there's a bunch of cool stuff on there, a bunch of fun stuff. We have new goals. Um, actually, we have a new goal. If we make it to $6,000 a month, we're going to start doing a second episode of Game Face per week. Um, which would be a huge shift for us, would make the show way more timely. Um, I don't think we would do two, three-hour shows a week, but we'd probably do two two two-hour shows or something like that, Um, just to be able to tackle stuff as soon as it's breaking, uh, games as soon as they come out, so you guys aren't having to wait 
a whole seven days. But anyway, we've completely revamped all that stuff. Check it out at patreon.com slash sifted. Uh, this is episode 250, so I do want to take a second to thank everyone who has supported Sifted and Game Face and Pactor Factor and anything or anything that we've done throughout its five-plus years that we've been operating. Hitting 250 episodes of a show like this is insane. We've now left invisible walls in the dust, not only in just the number of shows, but we have destroyed Invisible Walls as far as the hours of content that we've created. you got to remember, Invisible Walls was an hour to an hour and 15 minutes every episode. This is three three hours at least, sometimes three hours and 15 minutes. We've put out like triple the content that we did on Invisible Walls on Game Yeah, I'm doing a quick uh, math, assuming about three hours per show. Um, this work, we, all 250 episodes work out to roughly 31 days. Wow. Of content, wow. so that's a that's a month. We've, we've spent a month of a solid month of our lives doing this. That's amazing. Um, just on the air, not, yeah. not even including prep and all setup the and everything, and all that stuff that we have to do, um, and the game playing that we which have to is, do, which is roughly the same amount of time I've spent playing Mass Effect. So. <laughs> that's great. Anyway, what I was getting at is none of this was possible without you guys. None of it. We've never ran ads on Sifted ever. We still don't have ads on Sifted. I'm trying to get them on Sifted, but. I'm running into problems getting them done, but we've never ran an ad. We've never made, we make so little advertising revenue on YouTube. Like it's a joke, honestly, how much advertising revenue we get from YouTube. It's all because of you guys, all because of the Twitch Prime, the bits. Like I noticed that we hit like our, the hype train again today. You guys are awesome. Um, I just want to thank you guys all from the bottom of my heart. We made it to 250 episodes. It's pretty amazing. So thanks to everybody. Much love to everyone. Have a great week. We'll see you right back here next Tuesday at twitch.tv slash siftedgames at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. We'll see you then. Game Face is up and out. (laughs) 